All right, welcome to Stop Questioning Everything, the official Drug Receipts podcast, where we talk about art, subversion, science, skepticism, skating, and a whole lot more. My name is Arlo Eisenberg, and I will be your host. Uh, I'm also the artist and the creator behind Drug Receipts. Uh, Today is February 10th, 2022, and this is episode number four. Um, February February 10th, that is an impossible word to say. in fact, I don't know if, does anyone else know how to say February? You know, I feel like it's one of these things where, like before I knew how to read, uh, all these words were so easy, you just said them how everybody else said them. And then once you know how they're actually spelled, it's kind of a total mind F. Um, it's like I used to say comfortable, like I, you know, it was comfortable and easy. But then once I knew how it was spelled, I feel like now I always say comfortable, which is awkward and unnecessary. Same deal with February, right? Is it February or should I just say February? I think my solution just for most of my adult life has just been to say it fast enough and kind of mumble through it so that no one really knows. February, there you go. So today is February 10th, 2022. This is episode number four. Uh, The first two episodes were combined. They were on our Discord and we did a uh, Q&A and what we call Q&A and STFU. Thank you very much. Um, But Last episode, we did our first podcast episode on YouTube. And so now that is Stop Questioning Everything. So this is officially the fourth episode, but there was a fork in the road. So we also have now ongoing the Q&A and STFU has its own track. And the next edition of that will also, I think, be the fourth episode. And they are on alternating weeks. So this week we're on camera, we're on YouTube. Next week, we'll just be on Discord uh, in a voice channel. So you're always welcome to join us there a lot of real um, community engagement and interaction on the Discord because we're able to talk in real time and bring people up on stage. Um, What's on the slate for today is we've got news. We've got our regular features. We're going to bring on Jesse and talk to her about what's going on in our our social channels. Uh, We'll do some skeptic talk at the end. Uh, We've got some alpha for you and some sneak peeks. So a lot of really exciting stuff coming up. And most exciting of all, Uh, This is huge for me. You know, this is a really funny way to like sort of get a a podcast off the ground to start with your dream guest, the the most exciting guest I could ever dream of having. And it's my daughter, Lulu Eisenberg. Uh, So there will, with all due respect to anyone else we will ever book, there will be no one who I am more excited to talk about or more proud to have on the show. So we'll be talking to her a bit later. Uh, and by the way, this is not just, you know, a case of nepotism, although it is that because this is my project, so I can bring on whoever I want. But it actually does tie in with the uh, the values and the pillars of the, the project. My daughter is uh, a student at um, the University of Texas where she's studying neuroscience. She works in the very first psychedelics uh, research lab that's been established in Texas. Um, so a lot of really interesting stuff that we can get into there. And also, you know, we can talk about what, what it's like to be raised in a, you know, a skeptical household or to be raised with, you know, this guy. Uh, so a lot of really interesting talk we think coming up. Um, I also wanted to mention that since, you know, now we have this, uh, this YouTube channel that if you are listening on an, uh, a podcast subscription service, we are showing some leaks. Uh, there will be some visual elements to this episode. So we will try to do our best to talk you through some of those things, make sure that we are giving a visual description. And we also encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And when you get a chance, go ahead and pop on. You can see some of the images that we're talking about. And we're also setting up a blog. So I think that we'll also be able to provide all of the content, maybe also some relative links 
um, or related links to the, the episode on the blog. We can give you more information about that as it develops, but just know that we are thinking about you as well if you're listening on audio. Um, so with all of that said, let's jump into the show. We are going to start off with our routine checkup. So routine checkup is where we go through uh, the latest happenings and news in the drug receipts universe. Um, we will bring on uh, one of our meds, our queen med, uh, Jessie. She is Yes C on the Discord server. And uh, she will bring us up to speed on what's going on with all of our social channels, um, Discord included. Uh, there is one sort of uh, news item that I'll, I'll touch really quickly before Jesse jumps on. But as we are doing this, as we're recording this on Thursday night in the US, um, Friday for some of you uh, elsewhere around the world, um, tomorrow afternoon, I'm going to jump on a plane and go to LA for the Fluff House LA event. I missed the first one in Miami. This is the second one. So very excited about going out there and rubbing elbows or rubbing shoulders with uh, some of the people from the Fluffle. Um, and, and we'll be able to, you know, talk about, uh, you know, talk about drug receipts a little bit, but looking forward to that. Very excited about, uh, Fluff House LA. So if any of you are going out there, please, um, don't hesitate to come up, say hi, look forward to, to meeting all of you in person. Uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's, we're just one big community and, um, thanks to events like Fluff House, it's not just all online. Um, we can also meet in real life. So Jesse, where you at? Let's talk about the, uh, what's going on in the social channels. Hi, Jesse. Hi. Hello, everyone. Coming to you live from my desk corner, where I am proudly chained and proudly dedicated to hanging out with the uh, drug receipts community. So I'm um, super stoked to be here. Super excited. Jesse, did you, uh, did you do your set to match the, the theme of the, uh, the stop questioning everything background. I noticed you've got a purple light going. You said it best. If we are not branded, who are we? <laughs> exactly. Well, I love it. I love it. Great touch. <laughs> Job security. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but uh, there's been a lot of really cool stuff happening uh, in the drug receipts universe. I will say with a full, full confidence, full heart, that we have such an amazing community that's been developing in the last, I don't know, how long have we been been alive? Like two, two months now, maybe? And we've already developed such an incredible community. There's a, you know, just, you can tell, you know, we have our little, little I don't want to say cliques that are forming, but there's definitely, you know, we have the food enthusiasts, the skeptics, the tattoo enthusiasts, the, um, you know, the psychedelic, uh, curious enthusiasts. I don't know if that's a, a way to say it, but um, there's been a, a ton of really awesome developments in the community. Um, our Twitter has been awesome. We've gotten amazing engagement on there, and there's been a ton of drug receipts, profile photos, profile pics, and I actually have a list of a few I want to call out. Cool. Aki Dennis or a kid Ennis, as like I like to say in my head, I don't know, correct me in the chat. Uh, Mr. LB and his wife both have drug receipts photos on their Twitters, and it's such a mm -hmm. such a joy. Uh, Griffin Pot 3, who has been a huge supporter uh, since the beginning of the launch, he also has one. And I just want to give a super special thank you to you guys for rocking with uh, drug receipts the way that you do. So 
I love awesome. it whenever we drop, when we drop new leaks and then they pop up in the PFPs. I mean, that just that makes my day. I love it. And it's awesome too, because I mean, they only last for you know maybe a week, and then we're moving them on out. So on to the next. Get them one, while it's yep. hot. Exactly. I mean, you know, there's going to be ten thousand variations, so mm -hmm. you know, it's a cool little sneak peek into uh, the upcoming launch. Ooh, I can't wait to drop some alpha. Ooh. Um, yeah. but anyway, I'm going to move on. Uh, the Discord. I have some news about Discord, guys. I have some news. I'm dropping alpha right now. I just want to keep saying I'm dropping alpha for everything. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to abuse that. Um, but. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. Verbal clickbait. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> anyway. um, but no, we're uh, so we're launching a giveaway channel, a whitelist giveaway channel, and it's actually been up for the last four hours, but I haven't made any formal announcements. But if you're on the drug receipts discord and you go all the way up to the top, um, right where the you know the whitelist information is, the channel and the discord information is, you'll see a whitelist giveaway channel. And you can click on the little Tada emoji. And for the next seven days, we'll be running that giveaway. And at the end of the contest, we'll announce seven random winners that'll get on our whitelist. So if you don't want to wait, if you don't want to, you know, um, participate in, in any of the giveaways, which you should, you very yeah. well should. Um, that's a great way to, you know, Try your luck and see if you can get on the whitelist. So. If you if you don't want if you don't want know if you don't want to worry about rules if you don't want to put in any effort this is just the easy just no brains nothing to do it just go click the little icon and you're in the you're in the lottery. Exactly. You'll know in seven days. Yep. You'll know in seven days. So I mean, it's it's great if you are lazy, uh, or you know just curious if you'll you'll be lucky. So it's up. It's active now. And you guys should go uh, check that out. So it's good stuff. Um, and our Instagram, I don't know if I should say it or if you should say it. but there's It doesn't matter to me. I mean, you've been putting the thing together. You can introduce it, but then I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> give a little, I'll add a little color to it. No, for sure. So one of, our, like, one of the proudest things that we've launched in the drug receipts uh, universe is the time capsule. That's right. <laughs> it was initially named The Vault, but we renamed it to Time Capsule. It's just more fitting. It's more on brand because if we're not branded, who are we? But um, so we have the uh, Time Capsule series, and it's a little weekly, semi, bi-weekly, semi-weekly series where we focus on, you know, giving a little bit of history on some of your more iconic designs, Arlo. I don't think a lot of people know that you know, some of these traits that are dropping into the upcoming NFT series are derivative from like past iconic graphics you've made. Yeah, that's exactly right. So thanks for that, Jesse. And thanks for putting together the time capsule. You know, as Jesse mentioned earlier, you know, one of our mottos around here is if it's not branded, then what are we doing, right? What is it? Um, so we started with the vault, but then thought that, you know, time capsule was kind of a little more on brand, right? Because of, we have a character called Cap. Capsules can be little pills. So there's something kind of fun and playful about time capsules. Uh, so what it is, as Jesse said, is it right? It shows the lineage of a lot of the art that's now is included in the NFT collection. 
and Time Capsule give us, gives us a way to share with you the history of some of these designs. Uh, so now, warning to our audio podcast listeners, we're going to show some images up on screen. So, Joellen, let's go ahead and show the first one. Uh, so this is the this is what it looks like on Instagram, uh, the, the first cover photo for the series. Um, and you can see here, this is where we're going through the name change. So the first the first installment was the vault, but now we are switching up to time capsule. So uh, here forth going forward, it's it will be branded as time capsule. Um, but in this edition, we're talking about I got money in a bank. Uh, and so we can just go to the next one, Joellen. Uh, the very first um, appearance of this was when I worked with a company called Franco Shade. Um, this was probably back around 2008, I think, Jesse's what we figured out. Um, yes. And you can see the 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 main character for Franco Shade was a ghost, um, which a lot of you will be familiar with. This was a, skate, a company that we did in skating. Um, it's a rollerblading company, but also crossed over into streetwear. Uh, but, you know, the, the kind of the ethos that I have adopted and kind of pushed all along is kind of, you know, it's a little bit of like, uh, you know, uh, woe is me or what can go wrong, but it's also kind of like going against the grain. And so a popular song at the time uh, was by Team Pain. I mean, T-Pain. And, you know, it had the chorus, uh, I've got money in a bank. Wasn't it something like that? Yeah. <laughs> but obviously- You should practice. Huh? You should practice if you're you should practice if you're going to go to Flop House LA because he's on the roster. He's on the bill. Oh that's yeah, right. exactly. I better make sure I have that. I, that's right. He's on the bill <laughs> at Flop House. Cool. Uh, so there, yeah, a little synergy there. Um, but so as a kind of a, a funny um, twist on it, we did. I've got money in a bank as opposed to I've got money in the bank because I've got money in the bank sounds really boastful. But I've got money in a bank sounds kind of like okay, yeah, everybody has money in a bank. Big deal. Um, and our little criminal there, our little petty criminals making out with sense, didn't quite get the big bucks. So, you know, just always trying to take a different angle. Uh, and just a really fun, playful graphic. All, anyone that's following the NFT project knows that we like bright colors, uh, like kind of bold, fun, cute characters, and also like a little bit of mischief. So if we can go to the next one, Joellen. So the shirt, just as an interesting side story to this, uh, on the front of the shirt graphic, um, we featured a little safe. Uh, and it just so happened that, and this was just an interesting coincidence, but where the Franco Shade office, where our warehouse was located in downtown Santa Ana, just a couple of doors down in, our, in the little commercial district where we were uh, doing business was another small company um, called Franco's Safes. And it was just a guy who, you know, fixed vaults, home vaults and safes. People would bring their broken safes and he would fix them. Um, and so just in a kind of a funny nod to that. Um, let's go ahead and look at the next one, Joellen. It's a close-up of this graphic, but on the side of the, the safe there with the IOU note in it, it says Franco's safes. Uh, and we definitely took him a shirt and showed him. Uh, I don't recall if he liked it or if he filed a um, cease and desist, but it, we had a little fun with it nonetheless. So then after <laughs> I left Franco Shade and moved on to do my own project, which was really sort of a continuation of what I started with Franco Shade, I started doing Ghost Brand. Mentioned that the the main character for Franco Shade was the ghost. Let's go ahead and look at the next one. So there's the ghost, but now in his own featured company, his own brand called Ghost Brand. Uh, and so I I kind of updated or reimagined a lot of the graphics that I'd done with Franco Shade. And this was years later. Um, so for this one, uh, you know, same idea. He's running with the scent. Um, it's even got the little funny caption there. 
it just makes sense. Um, probably a little, probably it already had Lulu by that point. So I was kind of um, getting into the dad jokes a bit. Uh, but then also petty criminals was the the tagline for this one. And again, kind of fun colors. Um, and for anyone listening on audio, I hope I'm describing these well enough. So we've got the ghost character wearing his little, uh, what do you call it? What, what do criminals wear? Is that a beret? <laughs> that doesn't sound very a, menacing. They wear like those I, little leather looks, caps, right? <laughs> it looks almost like a, uh, like a Kangle hat. He's wearing a Kangle hat. <laughs> uh, I, mean, I drew it, but I'm not sure. Uh, but he's holding the money bags, which have the sense. And he's got the little, um, the bandits mask. Uh, our next iteration of our little uh, criminal character was once I started doing drug receipts and now the character has shifted from being the ghost. And now we see cap or a very early rendition of cap um, and cap here has got some money bags. It looks like, but I think that he's probably got fool's gold because you can see the coins actually are what are flashing all around the money bags, but we can still see the signature burglar's mask. A lot of the same elements. This one says crime wave, which it's kind of a nod to a very cool uh, Crystal Castle song, uh, Crystal Ca Crystal Castle song, the remix by Health. Um, love it, love it. Yeah, great song. And I wanted to ask you I, if there if that was a nod oh, to yeah. Crystal Castle. Absolutely, absolutely. So at a we were at a show in Vegas for Franco Shade, and Crystal Castles was playing at one of the after parties, and so we went and saw the show, the live show. And it was a small show, like in the top of some club or some bar. Uh, so we were right up at the front of the stage. I mean, just not a whole lot of people in there and we're just blown away by it. And so when we got back to LA, we found out that Crystal Castles was coming and playing uh, Orange County at Detroit Bar, where actually I used to put on a, a ghost event every week with a, um, a DJ buddy of mine named Dan Senna. Um, and so went to that and actually they, they needed to borrow a drum kit for the set. They didn't have their own drum kit or for some reason didn't make it to the show. So my buddy, since we put on the a weekly event at the club said, hey, they're using our drum set. If you want to put a logo on the front of the drum kit, it'll be up there, you know, front and center during the whole Crystal Castle set. And so I made a giant ghost brand vinyl sticker and we put it on the front of the drum kit. I've got photos from that show. It's so sick with Crystal Castles up there with the ghost no brand way. logo on the drum set. Yeah, um, but then- we found out they're playing two more shows in Riverside. So we drove out, you know, an hour to Riverside uh, uh, to see the next two shows. I mean, we were just like all in on Crystal Castle. Really loved it. So so great music if, if for anyone who hasn't checked them out yet. Um, so all that is to say, this is kind of the beginning of this little criminal, criminal character coming into drug receipts. And now let's take a look at kind of the, you know, the final form. This is what's these are some of the traits that are going to be in the NFT collection. And you can see that we've got the, the sense money bag, right? That's well-established. We've got the, the burglar's mask and Jesse, you'll be happy to know that the vague and nondescript little Kangle or beret or whatever the hat was <laughs> now has become a more fitting uh, criminal beanie. Not that everyone that wears beanies is, is criminals, but in this case, Cap is, has got it on for uh, surreptitious uh, endeavors. So there you go. Question. That is, yes, yes. Was that green that you used in the um, 20, 2022 drug receipt, the last one that we saw, was that ghost green an homage to the green that you used in the ghost brand um, 
Yes, absolutely. So the way that NFTs work, right, is there are multiple iterations of a lot of these traits. So the standard iteration of those sense bags is white. It's a white money bag. I put in the green one. Exact. Thank you. That's really uh, keen of you to point that out. I put that in specifically to be a nod to the, the Ghost brand release where he had the green money bag. So very, very cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, we're going to talk a little bit more about traits and rarity uh, a little later in the show because as uh, as we teased in the open, we do have some some leaks and some sneak peeks that we're going to show you. Some stuff that has not appeared in any of the Discord channels yet. So this is all going to be brand new stuff. Uh, very I excited and it. a little nervous <laughs> about showing it. Uh-huh. Yeah, this is um, going to be great. We're dropping alpha tonight, guys. We are dropping alpha, okay? It, Jesse, we're not just dropping alpha tonight. We are dropping alpha this minute right now. I've got a couple of alpha drops that we're going to give you guys. Uh, oh the two God. most common questions, right, in the Discord are how much and when mint. So to the first one, I think that it at this point has become just sort of uh, not a very well-kept secret, or, right? Is the, um, it is an open secret, I guess, at this point that we've been saying that we're going to target, you know, the same, um, the same opening price that other non-fungible labs projects have, have opened with. Uh, so that puts us in the range of 0 0.08 to 0 0.09 ETH. And we are, we plan on being faithful to that. So anyone that is trying to, you know, get their resources together and plan for the mint, that's what you should be planning on. 0 0.08 to 0 0.09 Ethereum. Uh, and you'll have to account for whatever gas fees. The only reason we, we weren't so forthcoming with it is that we started with such a long uh, runtime of such a long runway to our launch, to our mint. Um, and as we all know, uh, crypto is so volatile that we had to protect ourselves just in case there was going to be some wild swing, either up or down. But I, I think at this point, we are, we are fairly confident that, that we're going to stick to 0 0.08, 0 0.09. Um, so you can plan on that. Uh, and as far as when mint, you know, we've been saying that, you know, we've been targeting mid-February, which we are about to be in. Um, oh, mid-February. Thank you. So we did have some feedback in the chat. Sean, one of our meds, uh, his birthday is in February. And so he is somewhat of an expert on the subject. And he said, he, he said, I'm as an expert, it is February. So I am going to honor that since it is your birthday month. And I'm not, I'm not going to try and uh, be you know a stickler for detail and try to honor the R the hidden R in February. I'm just going to stick with February. I'm going to go back to eight year old Arlo and forget that I ever saw how it was written. Uh, happy February, happy happy February, everybody. Yay. <laughs> uh, oh, and Dawn, oh Dawn, no, please don't do this. I'm going to have a total uh, mind break here. Dawn is his birthday is also in February and he calls it February. So, okay, we're back to square one. There, there are no. We need, we need to call in a linguistics expert. Do we have you any have linguistics poll, experts in the chat? You have to put a poll in the uh, the Discord or something or on Twitter. Um, I think so. Okay, so but when mint that that's what we're trying to answer here, and we've been targeting mid February, um, but it is kind of a moving target. But I'll tell you that there are some there are some. Uh, drop dead dates. The lead developer on the project from Non-Fungible, that is, you know, they're the ones that are helping us through the mint, uh, will be will not be available after March 1st. He is going on a trip. He's leaving the country. Uh, so we don't have any choice but to be done 
before Feb February is over. Uh, we do not expect to drag it out all the way to the end of February. Uh, we should have it done before February. We're still targeting. Now we've kind of shifted our language to uh, middle of March, end of Mar I mean, middle of February, end of February. Uh, but you can be confident that it is going to happen this month, hopefully sooner rather than later. But that's that's kind of as much as we can give you right now. Um, in fact, you know, what? I'm going to add just a little more color to that. The, the reason it is a moving target uh, ties into the, the discussion we just had about traits. With this project, it is an art project first and foremost. And that is a little bit of a differentiator from, I think, a lot of the NFT projects that are out there. Uh, you know, it looks like with a lot of NFT projects, you know, it's you sort of you take your avatar character and you put them in a position. And then it's just it's almost like you can picture a, a group of art directors in a room and saying, you know, what's something that you can put on a face or what's eyewear? And then they just go goggles, glasses, uh, laser eyes, you know, all these things. And then uh, what's something that they can be holding? They go fishing rod, uh, balloon, bowling pin, ice cream cone. It's just, you know, it's just a mixed bag. You just throw it all out there. And then, you know, someone just draws all those things. Ice cream cone, uh, ice cream cone, fishing rod. And they just do all the things. Um, ours is no, different. I feel like, Arlo, you are so dynamic and so excited about this project that you are the conference room. You are 15 people in one little crammed conference room throwing out ideas. And it's just ongoing and nonstop. That's, yeah, and it's, I think you just described yourself. And, but it, but even more than that, Jesse, right? Because it's not sitting in the conference room pulling ideas. It's, it's exactly what the time capsule is about. It's just looking back through the, you know, the 30 years of history and re, uh, re, um, uh, reintegrating those themes into the new project. Uh, so there, there's a real lineage and a real history to all the things. It's not, I'm not just going, oh, an ice cream cone is something he can hold or an ice cream cone is something Tabby would like. It's, I want there to be, I want it to be tied to this, to the history of the art because the art has a consistent sort of theme and point of view mm -hmm. running through it. And so all the traits are, you know, fit into that, that universe. Definitely. I mean, there's year, there's decades of work to comb through, you know, and it, even if it's not overt it, or an illustrate, an overt illustration, it's a reference to a moment in time that, you know, shaped you or shaped, you know, thousands of people around the world. So it's a cool, I don't think a lot of people know just how much of, you know, this history is embedded in these traits and in this artwork. And it's really fascinating. Well, that's why time capsules exist, right? So we can bring people in and, and give them uh, an in, some insight exactly. into the history. But another angle to that, or another reason that this affects our mint date and why it's kind of has been fluid is we are making, you know, it's a 10,000 release. And so, whereas when you kind of do the mixed bag thing, you just throw a bunch of stuff in there. It's like, okay, random thing, uh, random NFT, random NFT, random NFT, and then Hopefully you'll get something super rare. Hopefully you get laser eyes or some gold attribute. And then boom, I've got a really valuable one. And all the other ones just look kind of like schlock. For us, for me, it's really important that each one looks awesome. You know, people are paying money for these. And I want them to be something that people would be proud not just to own, but to display, like to be, be really stoked to have it. And so with our collection, it's not just about, you know, how many traits can you throw together? We're spending a lot of time in how many traits can't go together because we don't want it to look like schlock or like unformed or uncurated. There is, you know, 
I think it's exciting what, what some of the randomness will produce, some things that we can't expect or anticipate. But it's the reason that we have to do our due diligence and our quality assurance. You know, we are going to run the, the random generator multiple times before we have a release to see what kind of things come out of it, to see what we have to correct. But the bottom line is we are trying to make something awesome for each and every person uh, that participates in the, the drug receipts release. Um, and so there will be thing, there will be unique traits and there will be super rare items and people will be super stoked to have them. But you don't have to have those things to be stoked on what you've got because they're all going to be really cool. And and hopefully also, additionally, you know, something that happens organically, organically, you see it happen in other popular NFT releases, seen it in Fluff World. You know, there are super rare traits is one way that you establish uh, um, value or you set kind of the, uh, the, the how desirable um, a, an NFT is. But there are also organically, there will be things that people just like or prefer on aesthetic. Um, and so, and so hopefully, you know, we'll start to see a whole lot of that. Uh, oh, and one other huge, one other, sorry, Jesse, but one other huge aspect I forgot to, to mention that, that makes this thing a little more complicated is, you know, we started out talking about how a lot of NFT releases are that, you know, that one avatar position and you just throw glasses on. We've got four different characters. Uh, and so that means we have to adapt the, the, all the, the attributes um, to four different bodies. And so that, that just complicates the process a little bit, adds a whole lot of layers. Um, but the end product will be something that's really cool, really distinctive, and really unique for each and every one of you. I agree. I agree. I think, you know, I don't want to speak without citing my sources, but I do want to <laughs> say that having four unique characters may or may not be something, it may or may not be unprecedented in the NFT space. And if it is, we don't, if, and if it's not, I should say, then, you know, it, it's still, it, it's this, it's exciting. It, it's going to take, it, it requires a little more love, a little more attention, a little more work. And Arla, you are, you know, a, a perfectionist and we're not going to put, you're not going to allow, you know, something to be out there if it's not just pristine and perfect. So, you know, um, there's, there's a lot of quality to look forward to. There's a lot of, you know, dynamicism, is that a word? Dynamicism to the collection and history and it's it's really exciting. So even if, and I'm not, I can't speak for everyone, but I will. Uh, even mm -hmm. if we have to wait a little bit longer just to get it dialed in perfect, I promise it's so worth the wait because what we're doing has, I promise you in the NFT space, never been done before. Yeah, well, I, I'm all on board for that. There are, I'm sure thousands of NFT releases. So I don't want to be too presumptuous. I'm, I guarantee you there are other things out there probably, but none that have our characters. And we don't think any that have put as much care or thought into it as we are. Uh, you know, Dawn actually, I exposed, Dawn showed me a, a collection recently that has ghosts and ghouls and goblins and zombies. But again, but they're all still, the, the way the characters are, even when they have multiple characters, they're all still formed to be in the exact same position. So you don't have to change the traits. Our, our unique body types are distinct from character to character. And so that that may be unprecedented. You might be right about that, Jesse. We've definitely made more work for ourselves. In fact, because when you say, you know, we put a lot of love and a lot of work into this, Don added into the chat, you know, and a massive spreadsheet. So he's been working very closely <laughs> with me on getting us to mint. And yeah, he's not kidding. I mean, it is just, you know, it's hundreds of traits. It's billions of combinations. So it is, it is a big undertaking. Um, but we do, 
we do have a cutoff, so we can't we can't just noodle it forever. Um, so you can look for you can look for it this month. We're very excited to get it out to you. So, Jesse, wow. thank you for all that. That's great news. Uh, any parting words before we move into our double dose? No, but if anyone wants to dub over this little bit with like the Academy Awards speech orchestra music, whenever the person goes on for too long, that'd be awesome. Off. Man, <laughs> guy, if they had that option, they I, we could never have a podcast because all I do is go on too long about everything. So uh, thanks for bearing with us. Of course. No, Arlo, this is a really exciting project. Thank you for having me on board. Snuggler community. Thank you guys so much for making this community what it is because we really wouldn't even have this podcast without you. So thank you guys for all the love you show the community constantly, all the time. Thank we you. Thank it. you, Jesse. And back at you. And to all of our meds, you know, we, we appreciate you guys so much. Thanks for all that you do. Uh, so we will now move on into our double dose. So double dose uh, is a recurring feature of the podcast. It's where I get to speak on two separate ideas of my choosing. Uh, the first one we call a mega dose, and it's usually a little broader in scope, speaks to some of the bigger themes of the project. And then the second one is our microdose, where we get a little more granular focus in on something in particular. For the mega dose uh, topic today, what we're going to talk about is drugs. Surprisingly, what a surprise. Drug receipts, we're going to talk about drugs. But it's something that comes up in the Discord a lot. As Jesse said, we have, you know, there's kind of a, a psychedelic uh, little sub-community forming within our channels. Um, and I want to make it clear kind of what our position on, on drugs is. Because although drugs are explicitly stated in the name, this is drug receipts, it's not really about, it's not a project that is advocating drug use. We use drugs more as a metaphor for morality or for, um, for moral ambiguity, I should say, because drugs are something which, you know, although people have, can have pretty strong opinions about it, whether they, you know, are drug enthusiasts or very, I see them very favorably, or whether people think that drugs are bad or dangerous or, um, you know, might take objection to um, to drug use. Um, what we are advocating for here is something more uh, nuanced, something, uh, as I said, more like a moral ambiguity. And one of the things that's interesting to talk about that, because we have, it plays out kind of in our character selection in the way that we have curated the, uh, the NFT release, because this project started, drug receipts in particular, started probably about seven years ago, six or seven years ago, after I moved back to Texas from California, but I started doodling drugs, uh, drug characters on receipts, um, or just little dr drug themed doodles on receipts. And I started posting them to Instagram. And over the years, it kind of evolved and the characters evolved. And it turned into a little stable of characters that now have become the drug receipts uh, uh, collection. Um, but not all the characters that I've ever drawn as the doodles on the receipts have made it into the NFT release. The four primary characters, um, Joel, let's go ahead and bring them up. Let's bring up the four primary characters. Uh, so it's you see there from left to right, that's Tabby. She's a tablet. Cap, he's a capsule. Uh, Rex, he's an RX or prescription bottle. And then Siren, who's a syringe. And so these are the four main characters that have come from the drug receipts. And if you, anyone who goes to at RXCPS 
on Instagram. You can see all the original receipts that I've doodled on over the years, and you'll see a whole lot of all those characters. But what I'd like to show you here are a few of the characters who have not made it into the collection. Um, and actually, before we do, let me say something about these four characters here. So the reason we've selected these four characters is because they meet the criteria of being uh, morally um, ambiguous. Uh, they could all be prescriptions or medicine or used for, you know, for uh, to, to better health or for better health or to, you know, to cure what ails you. Um, but they could also be used recreationally or experimentally. Um, um, so, you know, we are putting these characters out there, not with any strong statement of endorsement or objection to, to who they are or what they represent. We are leaving it open to interpretation. Um, it's more, again, the characters are less about the actual drugs or drug use and more about the, uh, the moral ambiguity and being open to um, kind of nuance. We've talked a little bit about the legacy of my art and the themes that run through the art, have run through the art over the years. And a lot of themes that, that have uh, shown up time and time again in, in my art, you know, are things like religion and drugs, um, things that, you know, push people's buttons and that people have strong opinions about. And I think a lot of what I've always been trying to accomplish with, with pushing those buttons is, is drawing people back into an area, back into a gray area where we can kind of have um, deeper conversations about these things and not just get so entrenched in our preconceived ideas or attitudes uh, towards things which might otherwise be found objectionable or controversial. Uh, so with that said, let's look at some of the less ambiguous drugs. Uh, Joanne, you can go ahead and bring up the next one. These are taken straight from the drug receipts. So this one is very clearly a Xanax pill, right? Nothing ambiguous about that. Now, Xanax could be prescribed, right? It is actually a prescription pill, so it could kind of meet the criteria. But if we used a Xanax pill like this, I think most people would take it as, you know, as being something provocative and, and suggestive of kind of uh, prescription drug abuse. Um, so this little character does not have a name, but did not make it into the collection. Let's take a look at the next one. So this is a mushroom. And... I think a lot of people would be very happy to see this character in our collection. Uh, maybe even we should hide one somewhere in the 10,000 release and make it super rare. That, that was a spur of the moment idea. So guys, don't hold me to that. There's a very good chance we will not do that. In fact, Don is probably like uh, having, a, you know, having a seizure over on his side of the, the monitor um, because he's like, stop adding stuff to the collection. We're trying to get this thing done. But this is a really cute character. Um, but again, mushrooms are, you know, at least right now, it, that's all about psychedelics. It's all about kind of recreational use. And I'm not saying that, again, I'm not saying that with any judgment. I, I, there are plenty of good reasons to, to, um, to take or to use psychedelics. Uh, but it, it, it sort of takes you out of that ambiguous. I mean, it takes you out of that ambiguity. It'd be kind of like having a character based on a, a pot leaf, right? Um, which again, is probably something when they see drug receipts or when they come to a drug project, they're like, where's the pot leaf, you know, smoke the chronic. Um, but that's really not what this project is about. I don't want it to just to be about like, yeah, you know, we're big drug advocates. Um, so hopefully that's coming through a little clearer. And I would like to take a look at, let's look at one more here from the collection. And so that one is an acid tab. And this is a, I mean, this is a kind of, uh, 
a weird take on a character. I mean, it's kind of cute, kind of funny, but right. So that the, the character is actually the tab, but is, you know, it has to gets around on the tongue of this, this other character that's appended to. So kind of a, a, a funny, cute, weird idea, probably fitting for the subject matter, uh, but definitely did not make it into our collection. And don't hold your breath if you're, if you're expecting a super rare of this one, because that probably won't happen. In fact, I think, I think this character, this kind of acid tab probably only appeared once even in my doodles. It's totally fun and I love it. It's really out there. Um, but yeah, just another one that did not, did not make it into the drug receipts NFT collection. Uh, so I think that that's pretty clear, right? You can see the difference between all the, the characters that we chose, which, which, you know, maintain that kind of moral ambiguity and all, you know, things like this, which we've just shown, which, you know, are not, there, there is ambiguity. It's pretty clear what those drugs are for. Um, you know, actually, Joel, I think there was one more. Do you have one more image from that set as a little bonus? Yeah. So can anybody guess what this is? Uh, my daughter knows what it is. Lulu, what is it? You're here. You've been patient all this time. Why not? Why not come up and say what it is? Okay, from what I under or from what I'm pretty sure I know is that you were tripping on mushrooms when you did that, or maybe I think it was mushrooms, and you were so fascinated by a bug on a hike with your friend and just looking yeah. at it for so long, and then I think you ended up going to a bar, um, yeah. and you were wow. still feeling the effects and this is the drawing that came out of it. And so it's not as um, coherent and like detailed as your yeah. other ones. Yeah, that's exactly right. Wow. I can't believe I told you, I guess, I guess I gave you all the details. That's exactly right. So of all the drug receipts, and there's probably a couple hundred of them or more at this point on the, uh, the original drug receipts, Instagram, th this is the only one that I ever did while actually on drugs. And I actually wasn't on mushrooms. I was on LSD at this time. Apologies to my, I mean, I'm a grown man. I'm an adult, I'm an adult, but I know that my mother and my parents are listening. I think it's okay to admit at this point that I, that I experimented with drugs, but this is the only drug receipt that I ever drew while actually on drugs. There's a few in there where I'm drunk or buzzed, but this is the only one where I was actually on drugs and Lulu's exactly right. It says bugs are real and cat is fixated on a bug. And I swear that that little bug that I drew there is exactly what the bug looked like. It looked like sort of like a, uh, the way the characters look on the cover of uh, Sea Monkeys. If anybody ever remembers those, that little scam of a mail order uh, thing that you can order, they're, little, they're Sea Monkeys. And they, have these, they have these great illustrations of these really cool animals. And then you order them and they're basically, it's like fish food that floats around in a, in a, a little uh, tiny aquarium. And they never evolve into anything. They, just, they look like little floating fish food. Um, but whatever. So yeah. And so, but the bug looked like the drawing of the, the sea monkeys, what, what the, the promise of or, ordering a sea monkey might look like. Um, so yeah, so there you go. Just a little bit of drug receipts trivia. And maybe one day if I throw that question in the discord, cause I'm going to give out a, a whitelist spot and I say, can anyone name or can anyone, you know, reference the only drug receipt that I ever did while actually on drugs? Now, you know, file that one away. Um, so for the microdose, what I'd like to talk about, you know what? Hmm. I'm going to skip the microdose guys. It's not, it's not that it's not that interesting. I think that it's kind of interesting, but 
I think bringing Lulu in for that, uh, just a little taste of Lulu when we were looking at the drug receipts kind of got me a little um, ramped up. So I can't wait through a whole nother, uh, my, uh, another meandering um, monologue from myself. God knows it's hard enough for you guys, but if I can't bear it, then uh, I'm, you know, I can only imagine what you guys are going through. So let's go ahead and just um, skip to our featured guest here. And let's, I know this is what you guys are all waiting for. So let's do it. Uh, let's bring up uh, my daughter, Lulu. Hey. Hi, Lulu. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> now we see you. Yeah. So you were just on voice for the first time. And Lulu, Wait, you I have to are... give a shout out first. Thank you, Selena, for my amazing earrings and Alma for my necklace. Okay. Oh, cool. <laughs> what were the earrings? We, it was sort of black on black. It was hard to see. Sorry. They're black cherries, if you can see. They're really oh. cool. My second pair very because cool. I lost one of the first ones. So thank you so much. <laughs> uh -huh. Very cool. And you're calling from your apartment? Yes. Uh, in Austin, Texas. Cool. Cool. So... Lulu, there's a lot of stuff to get into. Um, one of the things I want to talk about first, which I think has some application and meaning for everyone, you know, because since we announced that you were going to be on, of course, family has come in. They're going to be watching this thing. But there are a lot of people who are watching who will be going through this mint uh, and this entire NFT process for the first time. So I know that you and I got on the phone together and we walked through the steps to get ready for mint. Uh, and I had to do the same thing with my mom, did the same thing with my dad. You know, I've been doing, yeah. going through the same process with a lot of people because, you know, minting the process of owning a drug receipts NFT is not just as simple as, you know, on mint day, guys, we're going to make them live. Then all you have to do is go in and sign up with your visa card and buy a, an NFT. It's all happens on the blockchain. So you've got to have cryptocurrency. In this case, it's got to be Ethereum. You've got to have a wallet so you can spend your cryptocurrency and you've got to link that all up to all the sites. I mean, there is actually a process and there are some great resources online, which I encourage you guys to look up and, and seek out if you are curious about it. They're very good, uh, very helpful. We have a uh, we have an article that we link to on our website, drugreceipts.com, which gives a little bit of a, a primer on you know, cryptocurrency and NFTs. Fluff World, I know, has some has some very good resources. Uh, but if you just Google, you know, NFTs, crypto, how to buy NFTs, uh, what do you need to do? You can find some great step-by-step -step tutorials. We will also be producing some of our own content, which will be available soon, probably within the next couple of weeks. Um, but the reason I'm bringing it up now is because this is it. We're, we're in the month that we're going to mint. We're probably, you know, less than three weeks out. Um, and as Lulu will tell you, and anyone that I've set up, myself included, once you get your cryptocurrency and then you have to transfer it to your wallet, there's a very good chance there's going to be a hold on that transfer that's going to take over two weeks. So if you think you're going to go in and, at the last minute and go through all these steps and be ready for mint, it's not going to happen. That, that cryptocurrency will never make it to your wallet and you will miss out on the mint. It doesn't mean you won't ever be able to own an, uh, a drug receipts NFT because they will exist on the open market but your only chance to get in on the mint where they will be uh, hopefully as cheap as they will ever be and where you can get your very own, you know, unrevealed drug receipt, you've got to start taking the steps now. Um, and those steps really quickly, I'll tell you, when I did it with Lulu, it took what, how long did it take, babe? Like 15 or 20 minutes? Yeah, it was pretty quick. 
I mean, it's, it's not that hard, especially if you have either a, an, a resource or someone that can help walk you through it. But I should tell you, there's probably a little bit of, you know, a curve, you know, that based on how young or technically savvy the, the user is, because I, I did the same process with my mom, took a little bit longer than it took with Lulu. And I did the same process with my, with my dad, took a lot longer than it took Wait, with I Lulu. did it with your mom. What are you talking about? Oh, I didn't set her up? No, I did. How long did it take? Well, we had some difficulties along the way, but I, it wasn't either of our faults. Okay, so the only one who's at fault here is me for trying to take blank, or take take credit for something that you did. But I do a lot of that around here. That's why you know it's my project. Um, but I'm just kidding. No, absolutely. So that's funny that you helped mom, but I helped my dad. And it, it well, and you point taught is, me. So right. The point is be prepared. It can take a little longer, um, depending on how familiar you are with, uh, all the different, um, all the different aspects. Um, oh, and one other thing I should say about that. Oh, so three steps, basically really quickly, you've got to have some kind of a, a crypto, uh, currency trading account, right? So that's going to be something like Coinbase. Um, that's where you buy and sell your crypto. But then you also have to have to have something else which is separate than that, which is your wallet. Uh, and Coinbase has its own wallet, but it is separate than your Coinbase um, trading account. So you would have to set up each separately. Um, there's another very popular wallet, probably the industry standard right now, which is called MetaMask. You can use that as well. But just it's important to know that the uh, that the trading account where you buy your crypto is separate from the wallet. Two separate things that you have to set up. And then there's also OpenSea, which is where these things will be traded, where the NFTs are bought and sold on the open market. And something will happen in between all of that, which is the Mint, which is we will have a special website set up where you will go on and click a button uh, and you'll be able to mint your, you, you'll connect your wallet to it and then you'll be able to mint your NFT. As we get closer to Mint, we will put out more information that will guide you through this stuff. It will become more and more clear. We will provide all the resources we can to make it as easy as possible for you. But I'm giving you warning now, you've got to start uh, getting your ducks in a row if you want to be available for Mint. Um, and as long as we are ex sort of introducing you guys all to this world, one thing that is important, imperative to point out is that this world is rife with scams. So it makes me very nervous putting my mom out there, putting my dad out there, um, because People are going to come at you. They're going to look like a drug receipts account. They're going to, it's going to, it's going to have our branding. It's going to have our characters. And they're going to say, this is drug receipts official. We've got a special early mint, or we've got a special discount on mints. Um, none of that is true. We will never, we're never going to DM, send you DMs in Discord. Uh, you're never going to get a DM from us in your, in, on Twitter or on Instagram, not about anything that we're trying to sell you. Uh, so don't click those links. You can just ignore them. If you're in the Discord, turn off your DMs. Um, just be and and if you and if you do get something that that you can't tell, reach out to someone. Call me. Call a relative. Call a friend. Someone that you know. Say, hey, what's going on here? Just we have already had uh, at least one rollerblader that I know of who's come into the community and got taken for a scam, lost a few hundred bucks. Um, go, go, he answered, replied to a DM that was not a real uh, mint for. Uh, something from Fluff World and lost his money. So just beware. Fire, uh, beware. There are, there are a lot of scams out there. Um, so, Lulu. Hi, how are you? Great. How are you? 
So Lulu, um, there's a lot of things, you know, that I think that we have that we can talk about that, you know, that tie in really neatly with the pillars of drug receipts, the drug receipts project. And one is one, you know, that is very obvious is that you're studying neuroscience uh, at UT. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got into that? Okay, yeah. So I would say definitely um, what started my interest in neuroscience initially was you. Um, and that kind of came off of you teaching me about science from a really young age. Um, I feel like I was always very curious about the world and I had a lot of questions and the answers that you provided always related back to science. Um, and you showed me kind of that that was a way that you could find reliable answers about the world. And so growing up, I really liked science, but I also really liked fashion design. So it uh, yeah. would have been either one. Um, but as I was in high school, I really did like science and math. And my senior year of high school, I did an internship at the neuroscience lab at UT Dallas. Um, and we were researching pain um, and using mice as a model. And as someone who doesn't eat meat, um, killing and dissecting mice was pretty disgusting, mm -hmm. but I loved the science and it was just really cool and inspiring. And at that time I, I was debating between three different sciences. I was interested in astrophysics, um, environmental science and sustainable sustainability and neuroscience. And just being in the lab, I was like, I could see myself doing this forever. It's so meaningful to me. Um, and it has the potential to help many people. So yeah, that's how I got into it. And it's been my major since I've been at UT. I'm a junior now, so my third year. Um, and I've loved it. <laughs> so that's awesome. I mean, oh, and I forgot one important point. Sam Harris. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So we went to see, we went to actually go see Sam Harris speak um in Austin. Uh he was who was his was his guest, Michael Shermer for the one that we saw? Yeah. It was. So Michael Shermer is the publisher of Skeptic Magazine. So it was kind of like a double, you know, double whammy for us. We got to see Michael Shermer and Sam Harris in discussion um, in Austin. Uh, so that was really great. And I'm really happy that that was something that I could share with you, Lulu. You know, people, I think, get the impression, or I, I actually received this question a lot. It's like, um, it used to be because they knew my, they knew my feeling about things. They knew that I was a skeptic. They knew that my worldview was evidence-based. Um, and so they would always say, and so once you have a kid, everybody's like, well, what would you do, you know, if your daughter grows up and like, maybe she's like a fundamentalist, you know, uh, she's a religious zealot or something. Uh, and I've always said, you know, my, I don't teach my daughter beliefs. I'm not training her what things I want her to believe. I'm just giving her the tools to navigate all the information that's out there meaningfully and to come up, you know, to come up with her own conclusions. Um, and so I will be happy with whatever she comes up with, as long as, you know, as long as I provided her with the tools to, to, to arrive at those positions uh, uh, meaningfully and thoughtfully. Um, but then the other side of that now is it's like, oh, well, did you, you know, did you push her to become, you know, a neuroscience major? And I've, honestly, I've always taken great pains um, to, Make sure that you don't feel like it's like what I want you to do because it's not. I I will be happy and thrilled with whatever you choose to do, and I know that you'll be amazing at it. Um, you know, and uh, another aspect of that is, and maybe I, maybe I 
I guess you're, I'm sure you're aware of this, but so I dropped out of college, right? I'd moved, I was going to UT. I, I dropped out of school to go skate and pursue a career as a professional rollerblader in, in California. And it worked out. So I spent the next 20, 30 years. I mean, this is my life now. Um, it set me on a different path. Uh, but now that I don't skate anymore and, you know, I've, I've gotten into other things, I do design and it's all been fruitful and rewarding. But I, I discovered skepticism around the same time I became a professional rollerblader. And I, one of my secret fantasies, right, is that I would always go back to school and study something to do with that, right? Neuroscience or cognitive science, you know, anything. Um, psycho cognitive psychology. It's just all so fascinating to me. And so now I do. I get to, no pressure on you, but I do get to live vicariously through you. You know, you are doing all the things that if I had it to do over again, I might have done myself. And I think that that's really thrilling. Yeah. And I mean, I never felt pressured by you or anything. It, it's more that like, I feel like we just, we have very similar interests, which obviously I have gotten a lot of my interests from you. Um, and I don't know, it's, it's turned into my own thing, but it did come from you, but never forced onto me or anything like that. Well, you know, so it's funny because we're talking about this in the context of uh, an art project and of an NFT release in particular. And we just did, you know, I just did a long winded explanation of all the thought that goes into all the traits and there's gonna be 10,000 10, different characters. And I want each one to feel special and everyone to feel proud and display them. Uh, and so in the 30 years of like building this sort of this artistic database, you know, of all these different traits and characters that we can now put into the NFT release. Um, I have a lot of stuff in my, uh, in my history that I'm proud of. Right. Uh, but, you know, I am very fond of saying that there is nothing that I have created that I'm more proud of than you. And so there's kind of an element of like, right, building traits, like, you know, having a kid is like this, the ultimate like trait building project. Right. Like we get to we get to put into you whatever we want to come out. And, you know, obviously I'm aware that there are limitations to this kind of this, uh, this um, anecdote that I'm spinning here. But like, you know, genetics play a huge part in it. Uh, that, you know, if you were going to be a sociopath, there's probably nothing I could have done, you know, to, to make you, to, to make you not that. Yeah. Um, there are also, you know, there are all kinds of disabilities or afflictions that, you know, that could have happened that are just out of our control. But insofar as it goes, I mean, we have tried to give you every um, opportunity, right, to, to be, um, I don't know, this is going to sound very selfish and self-serving, but that's kind of what being a parent is, you know, I'm, we are trying to make the kind of person that we want to be around, right? The kind of person that we like and, and a person that has the values, you know, that you want to see in the world. And so a thoughtful, considerate, right? Um, curious person. Um, but also, you know, the things that, that I had to discover accidentally by, you know, just happening to find a magazine, a skeptic magazine, a newsstand, I was able to distill kind of a, a, a passion and an appreciation for that in you very early. And a subscription to your own skeptic magazine. <laughs> oh, that's my. We're all right on my desk. Sorry, uh, continue that thought. <laughs> I just had to. Do it. No, that so that is the thought, right? You are you are you are the ultimate NFT. You are you have all the traits. You are the you are the the one of one. You are the the top. You are the roof as far as the collection goes, right? The most valuable one. So, yeah. Um, so that's yeah. So that's a lot of praise for you. This conversation actually veers into something, you know, did we, did you already mention the psychedelic lab? Cause I, I think. No, I can do that. 
now. Um, yeah, why don't you tell so, us a little bit about that? Okay, to clarify, I'm not currently working in the psychedelic lab because the research has not even started. I am in the lab under the professor who will be doing the psychedelic research within this year. Um, and but, so but talk, about why, talk about why the research hasn't started. I mean, because there was, there was no such thing as psychedelic labs before now. It wasn't even legal. Yeah, I mean, they, the professor has had to go through like a lot of trouble to get this going. And the reason that it's now finally starting is because they were able to secure enough funds to get the initial research started. And I believe they're still looking for donors. So if anyone's interested in donating to that, um, you definitely should. It's the Fonzo Lab. And basically what the plan is, is that they're going to be looking at psychedelics. I believe at first they're going to be starting with psilocybin um, to help with severe anxiety, depression, and PTSD, um, and use those like they're going to do, um, sorry, excuse me. They're going to use, um, the psychedelics with a care provider. So it's not just like on your own taking these drugs. And my professor, Dr. Fonzo, he's planning on looking at psilocybin with transcranial magnetic stimulation also. Um, and the first people that they're looking to research are veterans struggling with PTSD, um, and people who have experienced childhood trauma and prolonged periods of grief and depression. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited about it. I reached out to the professor a few months ago because I was looking for a new lab to do research in and I was looking up psychedelic research in Austin and that was literally the only thing that came up. Um, and so I reached out to him and he said, you know, we're not doing this research yet, but if you want to come to the lab and we'll show you how to use the fMRI machines and, you know, just get you comfortable being in that setting and, you know, working with the human patients, um, so I've been going to the lab and helping with the current studies they're doing right now, which also deal with PTSD, um, but in a different sense. You know, it's interesting because this kind of right makes the case for what we're advocating here, right? This this uh, this defense of nuance and the, the value of more thoughtful, um, less polarized conversations, because you know, because of the prohibition on psychedelics for so long, you know, we've been denied the opportunity to. Um, pursue all the really promising uh, research or all the promising um, aspects of psilocybin and these psychedelics on all the things that you mentioned, anxiety and depression and trauma. Um, and so now that it's finally been declassified and people are able to start uh, doing proper research on it, you know, it, it, it stands to offer a whole lot of benefit to a whole lot of people. Um, but again, because of, you know, uh, because of sort of entrenched kind of, uh, puritanical ideas about drugs, you know, th that entire avenue of research has been cut off for so long. So definitely, yeah. definitely a, a, an argument for, for, for nuance. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, because, you know, even if all the studies come back, and not, psychedelics don't help at all, they don't, they do no better than placebo, we still need that research. And so it's just mm -hmm. the right. fact that it has been suppressed for so long, we are so behind. Um, and I mean, the preliminary studies do seem very promising. So I don't think that will be the case. But right. even if it is, you know, at least we will know. And that's the beauty of science. Exactly. Exactly. So that's enough about science. Let's talk about some other stuff, some interesting stuff. Uh, you know, when I knew that you were coming on, there's something that's been, you know, when I'm drawing drug receipts, when I'm working on the traits, like I'll put on the TV just to 
feel like there's someone else in the room or, you know, just to not feel quite so isolated. Um, but usually what I'll put on is something that's just easy to have in the background. So usually it's like a basketball game or something. But a commercial that I see, and so I see the same commercials all the time. And one of the commercials I see over and over again is uh, it's for some truck commercial, you know, GMC or something. I don't know what it is, but it's a dad driving the truck and he's got his wife in the passenger seat and his daughter and her boyfriend are in the back seat. And, you know, he's looking up in his rearview mirror and the, the boy who's along for the ride says, you know, thank you, Mr. So-and-so for inviting me on the trip. Um, and then the girl, the daughter puts her hand on the boy's hand. And it's a really sweet, like cute thing. But the dad sees it in his rearview mirror and his eyes go wide. And he says, you know, boy in the back seat, this truck has five cameras. I've got a camera on the left side so I can see what's happening on the left. I had a camera on the right side so I can see what's happening on the right. I got a camera in the back so I can see what's happening in the back. So I can see if any funny business is happening. And he said, there won't be any funny business, will there, boy in the back? And the, the kid says, oh, no, Mr. So-and-so, you know, and he, he like straightens up. Um, and it's always really rubbed me the wrong way whenever I see this commercial. And I think about you all the time, Lulu. And so I think now we have an interesting opportunity to talk about this a little bit. Uh, because, you know, anyone who's ever had a daughter, uh, you start hearing it immediately. Like, you know, when you have a daughter, people, you know, they say to you, oh, you better have your shotgun ready. Um, and then especially as, you know, as, as you start developing into a young lady and people, and you know, you're, you're beautiful and you're attractive and people are like, oh man, you're really going to, you know, you're going to have your hands full, you know, you, you better get a, you know, extra lock for the, the bedroom door or whatever. Um, and it's like, I always have felt really uncomfortable with that kind of talk. Um, and the way I've approached it with you, it, you know, we talked about how we, you know, we're instilling these traits in you and we're kind of building a person. Um, and so we did that with skepticism and science, but also the brain is so incredible and kids are so incredible and all these things. But so, you know, in, in a, it's not in a fairly deliberate way. We, we are sort of modeling a brain a little bit. But so from very early on, you know, I always wanted to empower you to be in charge of your own body, your own sexuality. I never wanted you to make it feel like sex was something that you should be ashamed of or that is bad or, you know what I mean? Everybody has sex and they actually love it. I don't understand what this big deal is about making kids think that it's something terrible. We all, you have to balance that with saying, you know, what, how you, you've got to approach everything responsibly and, you know, it's the younger you are, the less appropriate it is, but it's not a, you know, it's not a bad thing. Um, and, and, uh, and this idea that I think that the commercial and the, and the, the whole thing with shotguns and commercials, like the, the angry dad and all this stuff, all those things make it sound like sex is something that boys do that happens to girls. Um, and so it puts girls in a position where they are never in control of their own sexuality. It's always something that happens to them. Um, and even, uh, um, oh, what was I going to say? Oh, I totally lost it. Um, totally lost it. That's all right. But so, babe, why don't you talk a little bit about, do you recall any of these conversations? Or yeah, I'm telling you my perspective as a parent, like these things that I feel like I've done deliberately. But how, what has your experience been? Like, okay. Um, I think I understand your question, but it wasn't I... wasn't a question, just a ramble. That's all I do. <laughs> I feel that 
in the sense that you raised me to give me the tools to form my own opinions and, you know, understand science and be a critical thinker and think in that way, it's kind of the same with how you gave me the tools to be in control of my own body and to know like what I am okay with and what I'm not okay with and to know that I I can I have the freedom to do what I want. I just need to make smart choices. And you gave me the tool set to make those smart choices. Um and I don't know. I just feel like I I'm very lucky because I've never really felt a guilt or shame or anything like that from my sexual experiences. Um and like even with my relationships, like I have had a boyfriend in the past who was like so scared to meet you and thought you were going to just like be intimidating and all of that stuff. And like every, every person I've had a relationship with, you have been very welcoming and kind to, and like you, you always give them the benefit of the doubt, even if they suck. Um, and, but so, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like you put me in a really good position to live freely and not be ashamed of something that is very human and natural and, especially for women that is women get put down for all the time. And I feel like it kind of made me like hyper aware when other girls would call girls, Oh, that girl's a whore. That girl's a slut. Excuse mm -hmm. my language. Um, yeah. And I just, and that always rubbed me the wrong way. It's like, I'm, we can talk about other parts of their character, but like yeah. how, how much or how little they have sex does not matter. And that right. we should not be judging them based on that. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's interesting because, similar, you know, similar concept, but like, you know, another thing that I made a, a conscious effort to do was to never criticize what you chose to wear, right? I let that be your choice and whatever you felt comfortable with, however you want to present yourself, that was up to you. Um, because, you know, we, kids these days, right? Sometimes the outfits can be provocative, but I, you know, I always deferred to whatever you were comfortable with. I think we probably did have some conversation at some point where, you know, part of the responsibility that goes with that, I think that I told you, you know, there is, uh, there is a boys like sex, right? And they are attracted to women, and so there is a very easy way to get attention from people. You can, you can, you know, be provocative and be suggestive, and guys will give you attention. Um, and if you if you understand that and you use it, and, you know, responsibly, fine. But I think that there are a lot of people who use that as a crutch. They they don't build the other aspects of their character so that, you know, they have other things to offer. And I always caution you against relying too much on that because that's really sort of cheap attention. And if, if you can get people's attention and hold it because you're interesting and you're intelligent, you know, and you're, you're fun to be around, then that's, that's a lot more sustainable and you'll, you'll form deeper connections with people as a result of that. And, and I feel like because, because you, you did get those skill sets and, and, you know, you do, you put the work into developing them that then how you present yourself is only part of the, the package, right? And so it doesn't really matter, it, right? Yeah, I completely agree because I definitely think I was focused more on my appearance like when I was younger in middle school and high school, but that's just how it is at that age. You know, yeah. boys just want the hottest girl or whatever dumb stuff. Um, but now like getting older, it, you just, you realize that being attractive it doesn't mean much, you know, it only gets you so far. And then it's like, what else? And so it, you're exactly right. Just building who you are and your interests and your intelligence and your creativity, that is what makes someone attractive. And those yeah, are the things I that I care it. about developing within myself. And I think that it does make me more attractive, like, you know, just 
being like that. So uh, I don't know. So you said that, um, oh, you know what? So let's talk about putting these traits into practice, right? Because I've been, I feel like I've kind of been self-serving and given myself a lot of pats on the back. Like, man, I put such good traits into this person and uh, what a good dad. But really the, the hard work comes with you, right? You're the one that has to live it and put it into practice and then take these ideas and make them your own. And you, you are responsible for, for building your own character. Um, and so the, you know, you mentioned these, all these guys that you bring around, you said some of them, even if they suck or whatever, which by the way, I didn't like anyone, huh? You said all these guys you bring around. I didn't say it like that. That's not what I mean. I'm saying, but the, the guys that you've dated, I, I was trying to paraphrase whatever you said. Whenever yeah. I've met your boyfriends in the past, I've always been nice and welcoming to them, right? Um, yes. And you said even if they, even if they weren't, if, yeah. even if they suck. Um, which, by the way, I've never thought anybody. Suck. I I liked all the guys that I've ever met, um, at least in the moment. Uh, but, but. And I see you making that frowning face. And that's sort of exactly the point that I'm getting at, Lulu, is that you have done such a good job at cultivating these skills that you have become very good at discerning what is good and healthy for you. And you are very good about making decisions in your own best interest. You will not stay in a relationship just out of convenience or security. You always make the commitment to yourself first, even when it's hard. Um, and I think that that has been, you know, that can be very scary. And I, you know, I've seen many, uh, you know, painful nights where you've been crying to me uh, about not knowing what's going to happen, but you, you persevere and push through that pain with the, the belief and the, the, the understanding that you've got to put yourself first and that, that you deserve, you know, better, you deserve the best. And I think that that, that has um, been rewarding for you. That has bore fruit. I think honestly, where I get, I, what I think of like where I get such strong feelings of self-love for myself really comes from my parents and my family. And like, I just feel, I feel really lucky because I feel like throughout my whole life, everyone in my family has just given me so much love and support. And so when I have all of the people who I love the most just sending me so much love. It's like, how, how could I not love myself? You know? And like, yeah. how, how would my grandma feel? Like if she knew how this guy treated me, you know, like she yeah, would right. hate that. She, she would probably yeah. cry. Like, you know, yeah. um, and kind of just, I don't know. I just, I feel like I really love myself and I'm not going to let someone take that away from me. And it doesn't even go for just guys, friendships too. If I think yeah. that a friendship is bringing me down and, you know, they don't respect me and they don't love me, then I don't want that in my life. And I don't really have a problem with saying goodbye. <laughs> I mean, yeah. obviously it's hard, you know, but you, yeah. you have to do what's best for you and you got to be careful with who you surround yourself with because it really impacts you. Yeah. I think it's a really powerful skill to possess. So good for you. That will, that will serve you well in life. Um, I'm glad that you brought up family because I, I've, I've been talking a lot about kind of the influence that I've had on you. Um, but you're right. You know, just like there's a lot of stuff that's out of our control, right? We don't control the genetics, but you also lucked out by, by being born into a great extended family. All of your grandparents, your mother, you know, I somehow was lucky enough to con a, a beautiful, intelligent, um, uh, smart woman uh, into giving me a child. Uh, so you've benefited from having a great mother. 
um, and your, you know, all of your grandparents on both sides. Yeah, you're right. You're sur you're surrounded by uh, just a really supportive, loving network of people um, that instill a lot of wonderful values in you. So yeah, uh, you know, there's an element of this. I don't want to derail the conversation where we could get into, you know, we could go deep into the the Sam Harris free will stuff and talk about how much we really can take credit for anything. But we don't have to get into that now. We'll we'll save that one. Um, you know, there was a really interesting moment. Uh, actually, let's put a let's put a bow on that conversation, that part of the conversation. So, taking it from where we instill uh, skills and you give you the tools yeah. to you know to to navigate your life and and make the the best decisions possible. Um, but but uh, you. Uh, um, Oh, but now how those have translated into action where, you know, a lot of parents feel like their job is to protect their children. I've always viewed it as my job is to give you the skills to protect yourself. And so when you're able to exercise tools like that, where you are able to make decisions in your best interest and you're able to find healthy relationships, then my job is not to protect you, right? It's just to stand back and offer support whenever you need it, but to let you sort of do, be the best version of yourself and continue to give you you know, offer advice or skills wherever you, wherever they're, you know, wherever they're welcome. But yeah, it's mostly letting, teaching you to be the best version of yourself. Um, so how about we do some, uh, so I've got sneak peeks waiting that I can show people, or we can do a really provocative, do you want to talk about when I came home early or not? I don't think so. So let's do some sneak peeks. <laughs> so Lulu, we've got some, um, we've got some, uh, I've got some graphics here that I'm going to share with the audience and I want you to, you can stay on and you can react to them with us. Uh, we, I've been doing leaks in the discord uh, fairly re regularly. Um, about every week we will update the actual leaks channel, but oftentimes in the, um, in the actual mainline chat, if I'm up late working and I, I see something that's cool, uh, if I put together a combination of layers I think is kind of cool or exciting, I'll just drop it into the mainline chat um, to get a little bit of reaction. It's also a little bit of kind of doing some focus group work there, see what people like and respond to. Uh, but what we've got here today are some sneak peeks that have not been released anywhere else, not in any of the discords, um, not on any of the social channels. Uh, we're gonna show them here first. Um, and I know Joellen's going to wait for warning. She wants me to tell exactly when to pull it up. So I'm trying to think what the first one is. I think I know what it is. Um, and Lulu, you've, you know, you're familiar with the project, you know, what's out there. So, uh, you might appreciate these as well, but let's go ahead and look at the first sneak peek, Joellen, and then I'll just speak to it. Ah, cool. So we have shown in some of our leaks that Cap has a rainbow body, but the other characters will have this rainbow variation as well. Um, here we're showing Rex with his rainbow body. And Rex's pill cap functions like headwear. So you'll notice in some of the NFTs, Rex does not have his pill cap because he's wearing a baseball hat, for instance. So the pill cap is actually a separate trait for Rex. He's the only character that gets it because it goes with his pill bottle, but it it is a separate trait, so it can be different colors. So here you can see the pill cap is uh, pink, the, sta whereas the standard one will be white. And also, Rex is holding a knapsack. 
We'll probably do a cap a time capsule on this at some point because the knapsack is something that has definitely recurred frequently in my work. Had a very uh, popular iconic graphic a long time ago. It says "See you assholes later." Um, but so, oh, thank you for that. But so, um, right here we're showing Rex holding the knapsack. Guys, we have traits that I'm trying. I definitely have traits that we're sitting on because I want for there still to be some surprises when we get to mint. The truth is a lot of the surprise will just come from the combinations. I mean, there's going to be so many unique variations that no matter, even if we do show them all, there's always going to be surprises and thrills. But, you know, I've, whether it is warranted or not, I've been holding back some traits and the knapsack is definitely one of them. Uh, so, Joanne, let's show the next one because I want, I want to go a little deeper on this knapsack conversation. Actually, go back one. I mean, there, there's one other thing that I need to set up before we talk about Tabby. So I also want to point out, because we, we've also introduced the one sock. The one sock is, again, another great candidate for a time capsule, because I've been doing one sock for a long time. And again, it just kind of has a little bit of this woe is me quality, just silly and absurd. Um, but so that is one sock that we've introduced. Now we can go to the next one, Joellen. So a couple of things here that change. Now we see a more rare version of the knapsack with the RX pattern on it. And the the RX pattern itself is a nod to uh, an old Franco shade pattern that we did called the quitters pattern. So everything, right, everything in the collection has some um, legacy, some tie to some historical creation. But here we have a different one sock version. Uh, Tabby is saying one sock here in her speech bubble and the, in her speech bubble. And the speech bubble itself is a trait. So there are different expressions. Something that I love doing is hand-drawn type. The characters fit into these squares so snugly that it's it was hard to find a way to incorporate hand-drawn type. So what we did, what I did to work it in, is there are several ways that we have hand-drawn type. One is in the speech bubble, so we've got several different expressions that are going to be in the collection. One is in the sunglasses. When the characters wear sunglasses, I've got expressions written across their sunglasses, uh, like one that says, uh, Flim flam, for instance, or out or uh, far out. Um, and then the third way that I've incorporated handwritten type is the characters can hold picket signs. And for those of you listening on an audio podcast, we're not showing any of these things as I'm talking. I am just talking. <laughs> right now, what everybody's looking at is uh, Tabby, uh, but she's got a speech bubble that says one sock. And so because the speech bubble that says one sock, I probably prefer for it to occur when the characters have one sock. I wanted for there to be at least a, a couple of traits that that had the one sock or that had a one sock element. So we could get that speech bubble in there um, a few times. Um, there will be different versions. So here we're showing kind of the base one sock trait. And this one sock is, is obviously distinctly different because it's got a hole in it. So this is the one sock with a hole in it. But this like is a tube sock whereas the other one was a bit looser fitting. And this one has a hole, but there are other variations of that as well. Some sock patterns and things like that. And of course, Tabby here is wearing a gold crown, which is an attribute that we have introduced in the Discord. So that got a, that got a leak in the Discord. Um, the gum on the foot, that's been released before. What's new here is the knapsack and the one sock with the hole in it. Uh, so let's take a look at the next one. So this one, there's nothing really... Totally new here. The full uh, rainbowed out cap body is something that was released recently in the Discord. 
what we're looking at here is a picture of Cap. He's got a full rainbowed out body. So normally Cap always has a black bottom and then the top is colored. We do have a version of Cap that has a, a rainbow top, uh, but with a black bottom. Um, so when you're talking about rarity or how often these things will occur, because we have no control over how the computer will randomly assemble these, but we do get to tell the computer what probability we want for each trait, how, you know, what percentage of the time we would like for them to occur. So whereas Tabby had on a white sock with a hole in it, you know, we may say we want that to occur, you know, 30% of the times that you select for a white sock, I mean, for a one sock, um, but maybe the white sock that has a rainbow pattern or whatever the, you know, the rarest trait is going to be, maybe we want that to occur 1% of the time or 0.05% of the time, however rare we want to make it. So here, this is a pretty, will be a pretty exclusive rare body type for cap because not only does it have rainbow, which is already rare, but it is rainbowed out, which means the bottom is also uh, rainbow. And there are only a few instances where cap will have the full body color treatment like that, where he, he is rainbowed out or redded out or blacked out. Um, and those you can count on being uh, very rare. The other thing that I really like about this and this is just something that comes from the random generation. I've mentioned that we will, you know, we're going to do some curating in how we set up the blacklist so that certain traits can't go with other traits and uh, making sure that certain traits do go together. But we have skates in here. And for the most part, I'd like for the skates to be, get, to be together. But I really like the idea of, you know, just some weird kind of absurd off the wall things like this. As long as they look cool, because at the end of the day, end of the day, I want them to be art. That's the most important thing. They don't have to be literal. They have abstract backgrounds. The idea, the ideas here are meant to be kind of, um, ha, you know, have somewhat of an abstract um, quality to them. They're not meant to be literal. So I really love stuff like this where you get kind of some mis mismatched things. Um, and also showing you here another variation of the speech bubble. So it doesn't even necessarily have to be uh, written or spoken speech right here. Cap is speaking an emotion with the broken heart. Uh, also, the hat. The hat has a drug receipts insignia on it, a logo, but there will be variation in the hats. You, you guys have seen Fluff World logos on the hats. There will be multiple different hats, uh, different insignias, and all of those have not been revealed yet. Um, there's some surprises in there. So, talking about this body, you know, the idea of doing a rainbowed out body or a redded out body um, and the layers of, you know, uniqueness and rarity. Um, we're getting pretty rare here, right? Because you've got the, you know, an exclusive uh, rarity trait on the knapsack with the the uh, the RX pattern. You've got the rainbow out body. You've got these mixed match skates. This, if I saw this, if I opened it, like, man, that is hot. Um, but let's take it even a step further. We're going to show you something super rare here. Uh, this is going to be one of our one of ones, and this is the first time anywhere that we are. Uh, showing something like this, or even acknowledging that something like this can exist. So you will notice here that uh, all of the extremities, in addition to cat being redded out here, all the extremities are red. Uh, so this is fully redded out. And this will only happen in one of ones, things that we are curating by hand. They're still randomized. We throw them into the randomizer so that we don't know who's going to get it. But this is not something that the uh, that's going to be programmatically generated. There's going to be a small handful of um, one of ones like this that are going to go in there. Our arc devils, 
Maybe there's going to be archangels. Um, there, and as we get closer to mint, we will start showing you some of these super exclusive ones. Um, but there will be, there will be a, uh, uh, what we're looking at, by the way, for our audio listeners, we're looking at a devil version of Cap. And Cap is winking. He's got his horns. Even the horns here are red, guys. The, the standard issue horns are going to be in the normal black and blue colorway. They will only appear red here for this, for the devil versions. Um, he's giving the horn sign. He's got a tail, which we've not revealed before. He's got a pitchfork, which I don't think we've re re we have revealed before. Um, and he is all red. His arms, his legs, his tail, he is redded out. Uh, and you will only see this kind of combination in a, a curated by hand one of one. Uh, so that is going to be these things are going to be uh, top of the list in terms of rarity. Uh, so how's that for some alpha for you? I hope you guys are excited about seeing that. And we've got other really super exciting things like that that we are going to sh share with you guys um, as we get closer to Mint. Um, Dawn, I think, in the chat said we are an hour 20 minutes in. And I think, were you telling me that to tell me that I was just rambling on too long? Is that what you're telling me? Because now I'm super sensitive and I want to uh, I want to make sure that I'm not losing the audience here. Just keeping track, just letting me know that we're an hour and 20 in. Okay. <laughs> it felt like shade, but maybe it's maybe it was just so I knew how long we've been in here. Um, well, how about in the interest of opening things up and not just having me talk to myself or to Lulu here? Why don't we um, open up some questions? So I see that we've got the YouTube chat going on over there. I know that the chat in um, in the Discord has been going on. In fact, someone's got a so what PFP. Cool, love it. Um, meds, time for you guys to step up the plate. What have you got for me? Let's let's see if we've got a good question. Well, there are no questions. Surely you guys have been in the in the uh, main line asking for questions. I know what they have. Um, <laughs> so Dawn is with you guys in the uh, the Discord. If anybody in our Discord has a question that you'd like for us to address here on live on the podcast, go ahead and type it in there and he will filter it into us. Likewise, if any of you in following along on YouTube, if you have questions, I'm, I know that my mother is in the chat and there's no way that she doesn't have some embarrassing question that she could uh, throw out for Lulu to answer uh, or for me to answer for that matter. And guys, we have just revealed some super incredible, you know, uh, first looks at some, um, at some super exclusive traits here. So certainly there's gotta be something someone can come up with uh, for a question. Um, but don't worry if there are no questions, Listen, I have no trouble filling up the space. So we've got more content that we can move on to. Just want to give you guys an opportunity to be heard here or to have your questions answered. Okay, wait, I, I see a question. It says, that? have I seen hoax too? And if so, what are my thoughts? Um, Go for it. Have you seen it? Okay, so my answer is that... <laughs> I get all of the cool skating videos mixed up. So which one is that one again? <laughs> is so, that the one that I'm in or no? 
you're in what you believe in. The, okay. This one that I have a poster for right there. Lulu is in a, a little baby. In is Hoax onesie. 2 the one they played in the Netherlands? Hoax 2. No, that was what you believe in. Those are all what you believe in. Okay, so yeah. maybe I've only seen one. <laughs> I, don't, I feel like I've seen it because I hear that all the time, but I can't, honestly can't think of it off the top of my head. So Hoax 2 is like the... Hoax 2 is... Oh, like is the, that the one where Ama... Yes, that's the one where Ama finds out they have a Prince Albert. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I've seen that clip. <laughs> in fact, Hoax 2 is the kind of video that I would not like to watch with you because it has a lot of kind of cringy moments that would be especially awkward to watch with my daughter. Okay, yeah, um, I don't think I've seen it. Like when I used to always watch shows in your room with you and they would always be the weirdest, most awkward shows and you would pause them until I left. <laughs> you always <laughs> came in at the worst times. <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay, but so I guess you haven't seen Hooks too, and I'm I'm okay with that. I'm so glad you said you to see it. One. Huh? I don't. Am think I allowed to are. see it? Oh yeah, no. Of course you're allowed to see. It. I mean, it's kind it's of cool because you. we travel around the country. So we go, we come to Texas, and we stay at Alma's house. Um, okay. On last week's episode of the podcast, I showed old photos when the tour was in Dallas. Alma bought a, a photo album. That's she has so pictures cute. of Brooke and me and Mike when we're all here. Oh. We're in Alma's old house with Alma and Baba at on uh, uh, Fern Fernwood Fernview, whatever that street was called, Fernwood. Um, but so it also goes another one of the stops, Lulu. This will be meaningful to you. Was yeah. in Washington D.C. and we stayed at Aunt Karen's house. So oh, it, that's in the video as well. That's yeah, it's, so yeah, funny. it's crazy. Uh, so there are definitely things in there that will be of interest to you. You'll you'll see Alma. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll definitely watch that. So thank you for the question. Um, uh, so Lulu, you've got a, a another question for you here. What highlighter are you wearing? I'm actually not wearing a highlighter. I don't own highlighter, but I always put like some just like sparkly eyeshadow on my nose like that. And that's the extent of it. So yeah. <laughs> If you hadn't mentioned your the sparkling eyeshadow in your nose, I would never I would never noticed it. I but do now it it's every all time I, see. I do my makeup. Yeah. Huh? Oh, it's cool. I do it every time. Very cool. Um, so we've got a question. How many one of ones are there? Honestly, the one of ones, because I'm doing them by hand, it's not as essential that they go into our master spreadsheet. Uh, they don't have they don't have to be accounted for in all of our traits. So that is actually something that's still a work in progress because I am making them. Right now, we're probably at about nine to 12 one-of-ones that already uh, exist. Um, it will probably be somewhere around there. Um, there is actually another special category, which we've talked about. So the actual one-of-ones, which are curated and you know have traits that only exist in the one-of-ones, like the devil that we showed you, um, that's probably going to be somewhere in the range of 15, right? Uh, but there will be probably a slightly wider set, maybe in the range of another 20 to 50 out of the 10,000 that could also possibly be curated. They wouldn't have any of uh, the any exclusive traits that only appear in the curated set, but they would be NFTs um, deliberately put together, like some of the ones that I've shown you guys here, just to make sure that we get the combinations where all the traits come together exactly how 
I envision them. Uh, I'm such a, uh, a perfectionist and such a creative dictator that I can't stand to let all of it be left completely to chance and let the, the computer run the random generator uh, completely without supervision. So there's probably going to be a set of NFTs that I will make sure are in there as well. Um, not sure how that will affect the rarity, um, but it's it's just something that I, I definitely have an eye on that I think is going to happen. So there's a question that says, what is your opinion on psilocybin? I'm not even sure who they're asking. I'm not even sure what it means. Like, like Lulu, do you have an opinion on psilocybin? Is that something we want to answer? Um, no I don't know who it's for, but I'll just, I, I like psilocybin. Um, I mean, I'm obviously very interested in studying it and um, that's something that I would like to do hopefully as I continue researching and becoming a scientist, like maybe for graduate school, maybe that's what I'll focus on. Um, I'm not sure yet, but yeah, I do really like psilocybin. Um, and I know people who have microdosed on their own and had great um, results from that. And I have had some personal experiences with psilocybin that have been very enlightening and um, eye-opening. Yeah. So we just got a question here. Uh, it says, hmm, this is a this is a big one, I think. Maybe it'll be good, Lulu, since you're here to be with family, since this is a family affair. But uh, Sean, one of our meds, um, said, what was it like and how did it feel to put in your notice at Eisenberg Agency? I can imagine it wasn't an easy decision to make. Um, and so, yes, this is a little bit of deeply personal alpha that we will drop here. But when we talk about the fluid and moving date for the mint, one of the other uh, contributing factors here to kind of the, the moving timeline is that I have a day job. Uh, so in addition to the 120% of your time that this, this NFT release requires, I also have a job that requires 120% of my time. Um, and so splitting um, my efforts between those two, two things and my attention has just really been uh, untenable, honestly, uh, certainly not sustainable. What it's resulted in is just not a whole lot of sleep, um, cutting out other areas of my life, like just not making it to the gym, um, not eating regularly, certainly not sleeping uh, very much. Uh, and, you know, ultimately over time, that's really not, that doesn't, serve anyone because then you end up not being able to give your best to any projects. Uh, but so I gave my notice um, at the agency uh, on Monday of this week. So at, in two weeks from now, or in not this Friday, but next Friday will be my last day at the agency. And then I will be a hundred percent committed. Uh, I've always been a hundred percent committed. A hundred percent of my time will be available to drug receipts. Uh, so anything, any projects that I have been creating a bottleneck on will certainly be freed up by then. Um, but the agency is Eisenberg. So it's not just like giving notice at my job. In fact, the only reason that I didn't, didn't give notice ages ago was because it's my father's agency. It's my agency. We've been doing this together for the past seven years. He's had the agency for 50 years. Uh, and I have, a, uh, I have a deep, deep connection and respect for the company. 
it goes without saying that I have a deep and immense respect and love for my father. So I feel like I don't even have to mention that. That goes without saying. But the, but the company also is something that I care a lot about and that I'm deeply uh, interwoven in after seven years of being there and being the creative director. So it is with a heavy heart and it is bittersweet, as excited as I am to be um, moving on to pursuing. This is very, this is very sentimental, babe, right? No, I'm laughing at a question that just came up. I know. Uh, same thing happens oh. to me. I keep seeing what people say oh, in the chat. Okay. I'm, just, I'm just giving you a hard time. But so yeah, as, as exciting as it is to be moving on and really moving on to the, the project that I honestly feel like I was born to do, Drug Receipts. Drug Receipts is honestly the culmination of every skill uh, I've ever amassed in my life. Um, every, you know, we talk about Lulu's character traits and the project that that has been. Well, there's also been the development of my character and what that is now, the, the, the most perfect um, expression of that is drug receipts. This is really uh, the project that I was born for and that I've been waiting for. And so it's just, a, it's a no brainer that I have to pursue it. Uh, and so, but it is bittersweet that pursuing drug receipts, this project that I was born to do means leaving uh, my father's agency, which I was being groomed to take over, right? He is, he is close to retirement age. Uh, we, you know, we were all thinking about the next chapter and then this opportunity just sort of um, came out of uh, the left, came out of left field. And it's just something that I, I have to do. Uh, I have to do it. Um, so these, this, this next week and a half, yes, is, is painful. Uh, it's going to be another week and a half, you know, another of hell really where I am doing you know, basically uh, spending night and day on both projects. Um, but at the end of it, it will be all drug receipts all the time. Um, and, you know, I'm going to make every effort I can to help my father and help the agency make the transition and be positioned for success going forward. But, you know, my father has been in business for 50 years. So somehow he managed for 43 years without me. Uh, it's a highly successful company. It's a fixture in the, des uh, in the design community in Dallas. So they will be fine without me. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just sort of a bittersweet transition here as we work through it. So, uh, Sean, thanks for bringing that up. Uh, yeah. Um, so I guess we can move on right from, oh, no, one more question and then we'll move on. Is that fair? Um, so another one from one of our meds, he says, Will the resolution of the NFT be possible to be blown up, to have framed on the wall at, say, A1 size? And yes, absolutely. We've identified that the purpose, first and foremost, of this project is to art is is to provide you with art to get the art out there. So we want it. We want each one in the collection to be awesome, and we want you, we want you to be stoked on your unique NFT, and we want it to be something that you want to share. So we are going to provide it in. Uh, different formats, different ways that you can share it. They are all going to be high resolution. Um, they, you will get the NFT square version, but there's also a much larger um, square version that we're re we are releasing. And there will also be portrait, uh, sorry, there will be landscape and portrait versions, uh, transparent, transparent PNG. These will all be unlockable content that you'll be able to download through our drugstore, which will be available, you know, post-mint. Um, but yes, absolutely. We are planning on providing all of those assets 
to all of our members so you can have multiple options for displaying or printing or getting uh, some kind of digital display for your art. And in fact, even part of our roadmap will include gallery exhibitions where we will be displaying these things um, in a live venue. So yes, that is all on the table and stuff that we are talking about and very excited about getting to post-mint. Okay, so Lulu, um, I'm glad that you're here because the next section is controlled substance, controlled substance where we talk about skeptical themes. For the, the first topic on um, controlled substance, controlled substance, by the way, is where we talk about skeptical themes. Um, we leave it for the end of the podcast because we want you guys to all be able to get your alpha, to see your leaks, your sneaks, be introduced to our special guests. Uh, but then you don't have to stick around for the skepticism, although we encourage you to and we hope that you will because there's really a lot of value in it. Uh, as I hope that we've demonstrated in the molding of the mind of uh, our guest on the show today, uh, having being able to take a critical approach to the world really bears a lot of fruit in, in all aspects of your life, just being able to be a critical thinker, being able to consume information and process information critically and thoughtfully, and using the tools of, of skepticism. Um, so we're going to have some skeptical talk here. The first the first item on the agenda is actually not really skeptical. It's just a wrap-up of a conversation that we had last week in our Discord on the Q&A in STFU. Uh, but we had a conversation about art, and I was trying to distill down this very, you know, the, the core definition of art. I was trying to distill it down to its core criteria, the core elements. What is it in a sentence? And Dia and I had some nice conversation back and forth, but I don't feel like I ever paid it off with kind of the final just elevator pitch or just the short, concise sentence. And so I would like to say that here because I had a little bit of time to write it down to work through it. Um, and we're not going to have a conversation about it here. I'm just putting it out there. I've been meaning to add it to the Discord, but I didn't want I didn't want to just drop it in the Discord and then leave it without being able to follow up with conversation or being able to, to comment or respond to comments. And I've just been so pressed for time lately that I just knew I wouldn't be able to give it my attention. So I'm going to mention it here, and then maybe we can follow up with some conversation in the Discord. Maybe I will post it in the Discord now. Uh, but here's my working definition of the most distilled down definition of art. Movements, sounds, and or colors purposefully arranged with aesthetic intention to arouse emotions in pattern-seeking sentient beings. Okay, so that's out there. I will put it in writing because it's it's best when you can actually stew on each of the components individually and kind of understand where it's going, but definitely there is something to that. And I encourage any of you listening or once we get this conversation going in the Discord, but once you see this uh, definition that I put out there and you consider the criteria, see if you can think of any examples that break the that break the mold or that break the rule, anything that would not fit into this definition of art. Because that's right, that, that is a proper skeptical approach. If, if this thing is really going to work, we have to first try and break it. Um, and, uh, and then if you want another topic starter, can AI produce art? It's something that we actually talked about at, in depth in the last... Um, discord, but it, there's definitely room for much more conversation around that, especially since the thingies in the fluff world are in the kind of the fluff universe, the thingies are AI, they are creating art. So it's actually, it's not just, you know, 
a flight of fancy to have this, you know, this esoteric conversation about art. It is related to these projects because AI and AI's producing art in the metaverse, uh, in our um, non-fungible labs ecosystem is here. So let's talk about it. All right, so uh, let's talk about some skepticism. Lulu, in our Discord channel, in our Discord server, we have a skepticism channel. And there are some really great conversations going on in there. And some of our community members have become particularly active in there. Dia now is functioning like as a skeptic moderator, which is great because, you know, it, as much as I'm not able to be in there, it's really important that someone is in there that can answer the questions and they can guide the conversations because skepticism is not something that can just be intuited. Um, it's not just a lot of people think skepticism means it's just, oh, you know, use common sense, right? Well, skepticism is exactly not just using common sense because your common sense will mislead you all the time. It will lead you astray. Uh, skepticism is real tools. There is it's a specific tool set. There are skills and tools that have to be studied, have to be learned. You will not just uh, divine them on your own. Uh, so Dia, as a trained and practicing skeptic, is just immensely valuable to have her in that channel guiding those conversations. And in fact, a lot of what we're going to talk about today is going to be me pulling stuff directly from the conversations and from Dia in particular. But so Mr. LB, another one of our frequent contributors and someone who your grandma, Lulu, has had a nice correspondence with, Mr. LB is out in New Zealand and ordered a poster, uh, an old signed you know, X Games poster with a drug receipt drawing on it, a little tabby character. Um, but so Mr. LB has been um, dipping his toes into the skepticism channel, which we encourage everyone to do. It is there not just for skeptic skeptics to talk to themselves, it is there especially to introduce people for, to skepticism. It is there especially for people who want to learn more about it. So come in there and ask any questions you want. There are no wrong questions. Um, it is an open and safe space for everyone. Uh, and we will absolutely introduce you to the tools and the skills um, needed to be a skeptic. Uh, but so Mr. LB said, um, I am new to skepticism as a concept, but not in thought process. He said, the way I look at it all is it's a safe environment to question the societal norms that we should never take for granted, to open one's eyes and mind to the possibilities other than just what we have been spoon fed from the world around us. And so what Mr. LB was speaking to is kind of one of the other pillars or some of the other pillars of drug receipts, right? It sounds kind of like subversion, like question authority or stop questioning authority. Um, but this idea of like, you know, really challenging conventions, and that is all true. And those are real important pillars of drug receipts, but those are not exactly skepticism. Skepticism is something different and something specific. And Dia and LB went on to have a nice conversation about this. And so I'm not, I'm not pointing or calling LB out. He, he gets it. And this is exactly why the channel exists so that people can come in there and learn more about it. Um, so, and, and he, he perfectly you know, articulated some of the other values of the project. So that's all right on. But skepticism specifically is not, just like it's not about you know, just using common sense, it's also not just about having an open mind, right? Or being open to new experiences. Uh, skepticism, as we keep saying, is a, is a, deliberate pro a deliberative process that involves a specific skill set. Uh, and I keep throwing out this idea of skill set, and it's not recklessly. We are going to, Right here in this podcast, we are going to introduce you 
uh, to some of these, these actual tools in the toolkit. Uh, but before we do, I'm going to um, give a brief introduction to it. And, you know, questions like Mr. You know, I, I, I use Mr. LB as an example, but questions like that pop up in the skeptic channel all the time. I'm just using Mr. LB as a way of introducing the topic. But, you know, also something when people come in and they find out what that, you know, that there's a, there's a skeptic channel to say, oh, so um, are, are you skeptical? Are you skeptical about vaccines? Right. Again, that's another way that people commonly misunderstand what skepticism is. They, because we all know what it means to be skeptical. It's like, oh, you know, I doubt that, you know, you're skeptical of something. But what we are talking about specifically in our skeptical channel, in our skeptic channel, and when we talk about skepticism is scientific skepticism. So it's not just sort of the, the casual vernacular, the colloquial, colloquial way of saying I'm skeptical. It is a, it is a trained and deliberate thing. Um, so skepticism, a kind of working definition of skepticism is the, it's the application of scientific principles to all areas of inquiry, um, but with a special emphasis on the roots, causes, and effects of deception. So science already exists. So skepticism as something kind of distinct from the, the scientific endeavor unto itself um, has a special focus on deception. You know, the, that's why it's, there is so much talk about cognitive biases, logical fallacies, all the ways that our brains deceive us, all the ways that other people's brains deceive us or attempt to deceive us, you know, our, our subconscious, all these things are all these things. Brains just are really great at being um, deceived. And skepticism has a special focus on how to uh, mitigate those kinds of deceptions. That's a very dry way of putting it. And I'm about to now tell you some, a very eloquent way of describing skepticism. And this is taken from something that Dia wrote in the skeptic channel. We all have powerful underlying beliefs that inform our opinions and our actions, often without our conscious awareness. Skepticism is the practice of rooting out those thoughts and beliefs and holding them up to the light of day to see if they are valid. Doing this requires both humility and truthfulness. Those of us who practice it must be willing to be wrong, uncomfortably wrong sometimes, but the payoff is immeasurable. And this is something that we talk about often here. And thank you for that, Dia. I mean, she, I, I say it multiple times, but she, she says stuff that I would like to say, but much more eloquently than I could ever put it. But something that we emphasize here a lot with skepticism, we've talked about last week, we, every time we talk about skepticism, we will talk about, but it is this idea of fallibility and the, the understanding and the realization that we uh, are capable of being wrong and that on many occasions we will be wrong. Uh, when we are in an argument, uh, when there's something that we don't get or that we don't believe or don't trust, often case it will be some misunderstanding that's happened in our own brains. So skepticism, as much as anything else that we will learn from it, it teaches us how to identify the cognitive fallacies, um, the cognitive breakdowns going on in our own minds. Um, so one of the ways, uh, Dia, Dia mentioned this in the Discord, that you know, for a lot of people, their first introduction to skepticism, maybe not so much anymore, because there's a lot of different um, channels out there and avenues to find it. But for People, you know, of my generation, uh, Carl Sagan was an early popularizer of science and one of the early and most prominent, you know, communicators of science to a broad audience. And he was a skeptic and an advocate of skepticism and wrote an entire book dedicated to it. 
called The Demon Haunted World. Um, the subheading was Science is a Candle in the Dark. And I'm covered in tattoos, by the way. Uh, and all of them are science and skeptic related. Little self-indulgent plug here, but every this entire project is self-indulgent, so why stop there? But I have a off a much neglected website, um, you know, nestled away, tucked away somewhere in the uh, in the um, online universe. But it's called Skeptic Tattoos, and I write about the tattoos. I write about the meaning behind them. The idea was, you know, there's a lot of great tattoo flash imagery out there, but most of, most of the cool, like most profound, meaningful stuff is related to like religious iconography. You know, praying hands, the cross, uh, images of religious figures. And I wanted to get meaningful tattoos also, but meaningful to me. And I, I, I just happen to not be religious. So I, I set out to create kind of a skeptical or uh, scientific um, iconography. And that's what the Skeptics Tattoos Enterprise is. But anyway, so I have several Carl Sagan um, related tattoos, uh, including, let's see if I can do this. You see that? Science is a candle in the dark. And it says... Some of you following the the uh, the NFT project will see that this is familiar. This is the little tray that the characters carry the candle in, and it says E. Creedy. So that's one of the traits that's in our collection. I write about it in Skeptic Tattoos, but it, it E. Cree comes from the Demon Haunted World, written by Carl Sagan. And what it stands for is extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. And the more extraordinary the claim, then the more extraordinary the evidence had better be. So if you're, for instance, if you're going to claim that we are being visited by aliens, which would in, require some incredible um, uh, leaps in, in our understanding of physics in order for that to be possible, and would mean the, you know, the, uh, the existence of entirely new super intelligent life forms, which may all be true, but the idea of them traveling vast distances and being here on Earth, I mean, that would be extraordinary, right? That would change the entire course of our understanding of history and the future of human um, uh, evolution, but but so that is an extraordinary claim. So then, if you're if you're going to make the claim we are being visited by aliens, and I have I have proof, your proof had be had better be just as extraordinary as your claim. So it's not sufficient to say we are being visited by aliens, and here is a blurry photo of a blob to prove it. Um, that evidence just does not match the claim. Um, so that's just to explain that idea of Ecree a little bit. But in addition to Ecree and some of the other great uh, ideas that came out of um, Demon Haunted World and that were that that came from that were advocated by Carl Sagan, uh, he notably provided us with a baloney detection kit, which were sort of nine rules for being responsible um, uh, consumers of information. And Dia provided the nine, um, the the nine rules or the nine tools in the baloney baloney detection kit on uh, the Discord channel, and I'm going to preview some of them here. Not all nine of them, but you know, in the interest of providing actionable content, stuff that you can actually use, in the interest of molding more minds out here, not just my daughter's mind that I've been working on um, for the past 20 years, but now. With this project, we were able to expose more people to skepticism because the the world will benefit from it. We need more skepticism. We need more critical thinkers in the world. Can Anything I say something that, really quick before you start? 
Yes, please. Um, so um, I'm currently in my favorite class that I've ever taken um, in my undergraduate education, which is analytical skepticism. And it's an upper division neuroscience class. And the professor is Dr. Mickey Marinelli. She is amazing. Um, but basically, we had to fill out a survey at the beginning of the year explaining, you know, what type of student we are and what we're looking to get out of this class and blah, blah, blah. I had a million things that I'm looking to get out of this class. But one of the things that I said was, honestly, I'm trying to strengthen my baloney detection kit. And she responded back and she said, I definitely will strengthen your baloney detection kit. Um, a previous student emailed me years later and told me that I ruined her because she sees baloney everywhere now. And so I just thought that that was interesting. I wouldn't agree that I think that that girl has been ruined, but um, yeah. it just it just kind of highlights the idea that we are thrown so much misinformation and yeah. lies are thrown at us and even just bad science that we might not know how to depict that it is bad science. Um, and so understanding the baloney detection kit and strengthening it is very important. And you might see a lot of baloney out there. <laughs> yeah, that's great. You know, there is definitely an element to like pulling the wool from our eyes, right? Once you once you learn the tools for like seeing through stuff, seeing seeing what psychological tricks are being employed, um, and also I like that you you are using kind of like the secret wink or the secret handshake with your professor there by referring to the baloney detection kit, so she knew like kind of you were you were in the club, right? That you had a leg up yeah, on the on the. I already did that with bad science too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's I need good. to do it with thinking fast and slow now. <laughs> yeah. Babe, you know, talk about being, you know, living vicariously through you. I mean, how exciting is it? How cool is it to know that you're in that class? I mean, wow, it's just that's awesome. It's so crazy. I love it. Yeah. So let's let's bring some more into the fold here. Let's bring them into the secret handshake and tell you guys some of the uh some of the tools from the baloney detection toolkit that Carl Sagan provided. Um so number one, wherever possible, there must be independent confirmation of the facts. Um, so right, so when if, if there if something is being asserted, let's look and let's look for ways to confirm it. Are there in other independent sources that have also verified the same? Now, when Carl Sagan wrote this, the internet didn't exist and social media didn't exist. So there's actually a really a, a cautionary tale that has to go along with this. Not a cautionary tale, but a word of caution, and that is it is very easy to find confirming evidence now. Any claim that you hear, if you go search for it, you will find tons of confirming evidence. And you know that's why there's so much talk of these echo chambers. It is very easy to find a lot of support for any notion that is being offered. Um, so while yes, look for independent sources uh, to verify claims, there are other sort of qualifications that go along with that. Make sure that you're also vetting the sources. What is the quality of the sources? Um, and make sure this is something that we, we will get to later in the toolkit, but almost you know, more important than verifying a claim or finding supporting evidence is the idea of falsifiability. You've got to look for disconfirming evidence, look for critiques of whatever is being offered, because that will be probably more useful than confirming something which will be easy to find support for. Now, I think that that's clear. Uh, so another another uh, toolkit, another tool here. Arguments from authority carry very little weight. Um, authorities are capable of making mistakes. Um, they've done it in the past. They'll do it again in the future. Um, perhaps a better way of saying this is that in science, there are no authorities. Um, at most, there are experts. 
So, you know, a person's the the uh, the a person's credibility, the weight that they bear, uh, the weight that they bring to bear on any claim is tied to their expertise in the field and ultimately whatever um, their sources are. Uh, it is not enough just to be credentialed, right? It's not enough just to say, well, so-and-so is a doctor or so-and-so is a pilot in the Air Force or an army general. Um, all those things, and these are these are tricks that are often employed, right? If you have a, a dubious or a, a controversial claim, like maybe you, you know, you're saying that vaccines are ineffective, um, is very common to say, well, so-and-so, we have doctor so-and-so here saying that you know, vaccines are dangerous or that they don't work. And the idea is that we all trust and respect doctors. So this must be some kind of a credible claim. There must be credible evidence here. But authority alone is not enough to judge the merit of a claim. So arguments from authority carry very little weight. Look for the sources, look for the actual data, and look for expertise um, more than, more than uh, credentials. Um, try not to get overly attached to a hypothesis just because it's yours. Um, hypotheses are only a way station in the pursuit of knowledge, but ask yourself why you like an idea, compare it to the alternatives, and see if you can find reasons for rejecting it. Uh, and if you don't, seek out others who will. Again, this goes back to kind of the idea of don't look for just for confirming evidence, right? S challenge yourself. Just like when I presented the argument for um, art, what I think is a good definition for art, I don't want to hear who agrees with it. I want to know how I'm wrong. Look for ways to break it. Um, that's always, when we are thinking critically, we should always be looking for how we could be wrong or how any offered idea could be wrong. Um, and the kind of important part of that, that tool there is don't get overly attached to your own ideas, right? So it, it, sometimes when we have an idea that is, that is our own or we, when, when we've adopted an idea that we like, uh, we can get very invested. And all these little psychological tricks that our brain will play on us is very good at shielding us from disconfirming information. So learning the, the, the psychological tricks, learning the cognitive fallacies helps protect us kind of from that. Um, so quantify. This is a great one. If whatever you're explaining has some measure, some numerical um, quantity attached to it, you'll be but much better able to discriminate among competing hypotheses. What is vague and qualitative is open to many explanations. Um, of course, there are truths um, to be sought in the many qualitative issues we are all obliged to confront, but finding them is more challenging. So this is exactly, you know, Brooke last week when we were having our Discord uh, asked about uh, vaccine mandates, I think. And we were kind of looking for, and this is something that's come in, up in the Discord a few times. And people ask, you know, is there, is there sort of like a skeptical approach to finding a reasonable or a reasoned solution to these things? And it is always possible to look to the data and look for um, sources that can guide us and make the you, you know the most effective um, policy decisions. But ultimately, when you're talking about politics and you're talking about things that are not strictly science, right? That where there are other things that have to be factored in, like the will of the people, um, like uh, values, like freedom um, and safety and security, things which can't necessarily be quantified have to kind of be weighed by 
you know, each society and, and its own constituents. So um, something like vaccine mandates is not really a great candidate for a hardcore skeptical conversation. Uh, and so likewise, going back to the, the point of this particular tool, the, the, the most effective conversations we can have will be when we are clear about what the terms are, what we're talking about, what's being described, um, because the, the less clear those terms are, the easier it is to start settling into you know, what are called weasel words or areas where we're not really arguing about anything. We're just kind of forming our own. We're finding wiggle room to squeeze in our own opinions because the terms are left so vague that, that, that there's no precision in the dialogue. Um, Occam's razor is another one that Carl Sagan introduced. It's not a concept that, that he exactly. So this, I mentioned my skeptical, skeptic tattoos is my blog. Lulu is showing a sticker that I made. Uh, hold it up again, babe, for a second, because your camera's frozen. Um, there you go, Occam's razor. Cut the bullshit, it says underneath. But so this is something really cool. And I do have a, a, we got it, Lulu, thank you. I've got an Occam's razor tattoo here. But so Occam's razor is a concept, you know, that, that goes back hundreds of years. It is a, a guiding philosophy, a guiding principle in, in science. It is not a law. Um, it is just a, you know, it's another tool in the toolkit that can help us to um, discriminate between competing ideas and help us to find kind of the, the best path forward. Um, but it is not a hard and fast rule. It will be, it will be, there will be exceptions to the rule. Um, but the idea is Occam's razor, what it says is that, I'll read you Carl Sagan's um, entry first and then I'll, I'll elaborate. But this convenient rule of thumb urges us when faced with two hypotheses that explain the data equally well to choose the simpler. And this needs further explanation because I think when most people hear this, they, you know, this that can be paraphrased as the simplest answer tends to be best, right? And I think when people hear that, a lot of times they think, oh, well, so the most simplistic answer is the best, right? So if, you know, if we ask the question, well, you look around and a, you know, your five-year-old child says, well, how did everything get here? Why are there trees? Why are there birds? Why does, why is Evie, you know, a cat? Why is she here? Um, and an easier, an easy answer would be say, oh, you know, uh, some benevolent creator just, you know, created all, created it all, like in a, in a, a poof of inspiration. Um, or you could offer the explanation, say, well, you know, uh, through natural processes over many millennia, you know, over billions of years, you know, all the organisms evolved from one simple, you know, cell organism has evolved um, through natural selection into the, all the billions of different things that you see on the world, in the world today. And they're all related, you know, from the, from the very beginnings, the, from the very start, you know, plants, fruits, animals, you know, the, the, uh, fungi, they're all related. Um, so your five-year-old would say, what the heck? That, that's so confusing. That can't be possible. Um, the, so the simplest answer in this case sounds like it's the poof. It all just appeared. So does Occam's razor say, well, that's, that is the right choice? That is the preferred hypothesis? No. The truth is, it is the more simplistic answer. But when you look at it, it is actually not more simple. Because what's hidden in the poof is really there are no answers. It's just a lot more questions. Who created the poof? How did the poof come into existence? What are the physics behind it? 
who is this benevolent creator that created the poop? Uh, is the benevolent creator made of the same stuff that we are made of? And if not, then what is the benevolent creator made of? And so then it just, it's sort of, there's this infinite thread of questions that are introduced when you introduce this benevolent creator. Whereas the evolution story, as complicated as it sounds and as intricate as it is, it's actually built upon a whole bunch of known factors, right? Um, you, uh, you've got a rich fossil history. You've got geo geological evidence. There are multiple lines of evidence that all converge and that can, each one, you can go as deep as you want into any of those lines of study um, to find um, sources and articles and evidence that points to the fact of evolution. So what appears on the front to be a much more convoluted, complicated answer, the truth is really Pat is the simpler of the two explanations because one is built on known premises, known facts, and the other is built on pure speculation and introduces a lot more questions than it answers. And the real translation to Occam's razor, and I do have the Latin written on my arm, but the real translation is roughly says something like, uh, Sagan bless you, babe. Thank you. Oh, that was good. <laughs> You're welcome. But so the real trans, Occam bless you. But so the real translation uh, says something along the lines of do not multiply hypotheses unnecessarily, or don't introduce more hypotheses than you need to explain something, or don't speculate more than you need to, to explain a given phenomenon. So um, if, if you ask me how a watch works, uh, I can show you all the gears and, you know, and point to the battery and explain how batteries work and all these things. And, and, and that's all sounds very complicated and intricate, but at least it, it can be described. Or I could tell you, well, there, you know, there's a magical elf that, that lives inside the watch and makes the watch happen. Well, now I've, intro I've introduced a whole lot of other questions that just beg to be answered. So that is simplistic, but it is not more simple. Is that clear, Lulu? Very clear. Crystal. Cool. Um, and then the last one. And this will just put a nice bow on everything that we've talked about because this is what so many of our conversations about skepticism come down to. But always ask whether your hypothesis can be, at least in principle, falsified. Propositions that are untestable, unfalsifiable, are not worth much. You must be able to check assertions out. Um, inveterate skeptics must be given the chance to follow your reason reasoning, to duplicate your experiments, and see if they get the same result. So this is important on two levels. One, falsification is right is at the heart of what skepticism is. Um, we are always looking for the ways that we can uh, prove ourselves wrong, that any claim can be proven wrong. That is how you. That is truly how you learn the fitness of a hypothesis or an idea. Um, but the other important component of this is that there are some assertions that are just outside of the realm of skeptical inquiry. If someone says um, that if someone makes a claim that is untestable or that is that can't be proven wrong, then there's nothing to talk about. There are no there's nothing to investigate. If you say that you know a a, a purple or no that a, a a rainbow capsule character wearing one sock with a hole in it lives in your garage, but you're the only person that can see it and it's undetectable by any earthly means, well then you've just made an assertion that may be meaningful and true to you, but no one can test it. So there's no one's going to argue it with you. There's nothing to argue about. 
um, it is an untestable claim. Um, but if you say that it's in there and I've seen it with my own eyes and it knocks, you know, it knocks the, uh, the books over in the garage, well, there's some testable claims in there. If it's something that can be seen, if it's something that can interact with the environment, we might be able to test those things. But that's the difference between a testable claim and an untestable claim. And, you know, the, the, the capsule with one sock with a hole in it in the garage could be a metaphor for religion, right? Um, and I want to be careful, very careful here to say that skepticism comes with no preset um, set of ideals or beliefs. Skepticism is a process. It is all about the process. These tools that we're providing here are for, to be used to, to employ whenever you are confronting new claims or controversial claims um, or extraordinary claims. And even to, as the student in Lulu's class said, to um, pull the wool from your eyes and expose to a world where you know, they're, they're untestable or um, poorly conceived uh, assertions being made all the time. Um, but the claims which are not testable or which are not falsifiable, although there may be no good evidence to support them, uh, it doesn't mean that there aren't good reasons to hold them. So there are plenty of good reasons for people to believe in God or gods or to be religious. I happen to not believe in uh, a God or gods. Um, I happen to have adopted a skeptical worldview, which is based, is it, it is an evidence-based worldview. And I've not seen good evidence to be religious or for any, I've not seen any good evidence for any gods. Um, but that doesn't mean that there is, are not good reasons that other people might not, might not have their own good reasons um, to believe in God or to be religious. You know, I've been pointing to a lot of tattoos here. One that I have on my arm that is kind of special to me right here, a pair of glasses with the letters MG on it. Uh, the MG is for Martin Gardner. And Martin Gardner had distinctive glasses that he always wore. He's no longer with us, but he was one of the founding uh, figures of scientific scientific skepticism. Um, he he wrote he, he wrote books actually that even predated Carl Sagan's. He wrote one of the first early popular books of skepticism. Um, but Martin Gardner was raised in a religious household, and those uh, you know those neural networks were. Uh, forged deep lines in his um, in his brain, and he never uh, he never stopped believing in God, even long after he became a skeptic. And he knew that there was no evidence for it, um, and that there was no good reason to believe it. It was still always remained meaningful to him. He got something from it. It fulfilled him in some way, and so he never made any claims about his personal relationship with God. Uh, about how it impacted reality. He never made claims about, you know, the, the, the reality of his, his personal conviction, um, but he did maintain that belief to, to his dying day. And I think that that is important to point out that, that people are entitled to their, their personal um, convictions, their personal beliefs, and that skepticism has no opinion on it until you start making claims about reality. And at that point, you have to have uh, if you, if you are going, if you expect to be um, tolerated or accepted in skeptical conversations, you just better be able to be prepared to provide some evidence for it. Um, so there you go. That's a nice, pretty deep dive on skepticism 101, uh, an introduction to it. This has been a pretty long um, conversation, but I think 
pretty fruitful. We've dropped some good alpha. Lulu, thank you so much for being a part of this. So happy to be here and to hear you speak. I love everything you have to say. Thank you. And you're completely unbiased in that regard. You know, I'm always, I can always count on calling my mom after these things and finding out that I did a really great job. So as far as I know, I am crushing it on these podcasts, but I will, I will keep my focus group very limited in that respect. Uh, and that way I do not want the wool pulled from my eyes. Yeah. But yeah hey, <laughs> what's that? Who are your sources? Me and your mom. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Right. I'm not going to bet my sources too critically here. Uh -huh. um, but baby, I'm glad that you were here. Uh, I love being able to talk about skepticism and share it with you. I'm glad that you were here for this, for these conversations. And I really appreciate the, the voice and the insight that you added to this conversation. I think it was really interesting. Um, thanks to all of you for being along for this. Remember, every other week we will do a Stop Questioning Everything podcast. So not next Thursday, but the Thursday after that, we will have our next installment. But in the weeks in between, we will still be providing content to you. You can join us on Discord, the Drug Receipts Discord. There is a, a link to it on our website, drugreceipts.com. Uh, we welcome or we encourage you to join us there to continue the conversation. And the, con the conversation never ends. We are going 24 hours a day on our Discord server. So join us in there if you're not already. Join the Drug Receipts Discord. Get in on these conversations about skepticism, about art, about the NFT release. Um, and subscribe. We are now available on all the podcast subscription services. If you're listening, thank you for joining in. If you have not seen this yet, uh, go ahead and check out and subscribe to the YouTube podcast so you can see all the content. Uh, follow us on our social channels. And guys, we will look forward to seeing all of you in our next installment. Thank you so much for being a part of this podcast and being a part of Drug Receipts. My name is Arlo Eisenberg, and uh, we will talk to you next time. Bye.